is a portrait of the queen. He likes to keep his fire engine clean. It's a clean machine. I used to be in the choir at that church. <laughs> that church there. St. Barnabas, St. Barnabas, St. Barnabas, St. Barnabas, St. Barnabas. Yeah, whatever, I don't really give a shit. Let the great St. <laughs> <Saint> Barnabas <laughs> do it. Those greedy and weasley bastards. Somebody gotta feed them hogs. Hello. General Kenobi. Kenobi. You get it? Yeah. Kenobi. It didn't turn out like I wanted it to. Oh, it's good. I really wanted to make it a thing, but it just. By James. By James. That's the original version. Uh, I think it got popular via American Pie. It's a great song. It's an incredible song. <laughs> yeah. Way ahead of its time. Whatever too. happened to James? I think this is the only song that James had. It's one hell of a one-hit wonder. I'm going to try something new tonight. You ready for this? Oh, okay. <laughs> oh! It's like I'm doing an open mic night. Stand <laughs> Mike up. is out of the stand. Well, I noticed in recent weeks when I edit, like I move my thing around a lot because I, I, I play with the mic. And so I'm like, well, maybe I need to take a more uh, personalized approach and just pick up the mic. I thought you had like an But arm. now you see, I already see what I'm doing wrong. <laughs> I'm going like, because <laughs> I'm very, I'm very expressive. So I think I'm going to have to go back. All right. Yeah. So, and we're back. There okay. We there we go. Okay. I, this is back to normal. Yeah. If any clone Castanovas are bothered by when I like that. Mess around with Let it. Let us know. Um, I don't know. Maybe we got to work with our game. I think the professionals try to, like, touch the mic to their actual chin just so there's consistency in how they're speaking. I suppose so. But we tend to get very loud and excited. Yeah, I can't do that because every time I laugh, I would yeah. burst people's eardrums. You know, there was a comment on TikTok. I posted the video of us when we did the the high commentary to um the Crystal Crisis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we just lost our shit. <laughs> and there was a comment. I don't know if I ever mentioned it to you or not, but one of the comments was, why does one of the hosts sound like uh, Woody from Toy Story? <laughs> <laughs> and I looked it up. I was like, you know, that his laugh, very, it is Tom Hanks yeah, yeah, Woody-like, yeah. you know? Very St. Barnabas. St. Barnabas. <laughs> I completely agree with you. We would be obsessed with that line. It's too bad that it came late. Yeah. You and know, it but... was on James Corden. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not one for, I'm not a James Corden fan, per se. Um, you know, if that's your bag, that's your bag. Sure. Not my bag. I, no. I tend to come from the the Dave Letterman school of late night, whereas James Corden tends to go more hand-to-hand with the Jimmy Fallon sure. school of late night. It's just yeah. a different style. Um, but I will say, the I watched the, you know, I just tripped across the Paul McCartney carpool. I watched it before. Yeah, but yeah. I watched it again recently, and I noticed him. You know, they're driving down Penny Lane, and Paul's just like, oh, there's a church I went to. And St. Barnabas. St. Barnabas. St. <laughs> Barnabas. 
great. You watch Paul in interviews, just his inflection and his cadence. Like, you will pick up little things like that that are fucking hilarious. It must, I, I swear, I bet him and John back in the day are just like, yeah, we got to go down to St. Bonifacio. You know? Do you remember, he w- he did an interview, he was on Letterman, and I think I watched it at your old townhouse. He was on Letterman, he did an interview, and then he performed, because Letterman was in the old Ed, Ed Sullivan studio. Oh, yeah, and he did it on the sign. He did it on the marquee, yeah, on the marquee, top of the marquee. Yeah. Um, but there was a moment where, like, Letterman, like, I, I think he lost his place or something, and he started saying something that, and then he he kind of, like, went back on it, and he was, like, trying to cut to commercial or something, so Letterman kind of got, like, flubbed up, and Paul, just without missing a beat, goes, you're not reading your cards. <laughs> oh, Paul. Paul's the best, man. Yeah. He really is a goofy fucking guy. Oh, yeah. St. Barnabas! St. Barnabas! <laughs> I do, I love the, st- like, old stories from the Beatles after watching the anthology. <laughs> like, the one where, like, Paul finally, like, it's George talking about, like, him and John doing acid. And, like, finally Paul is like, all right, I, fi- uh, I agree, I'll do, I'll do acid, I'll do acid with you guys. And Paul did it, like, once or twice, and then he did, like, an interview on the BBC <laughs> to the person interviewing him, he's like, "Oh yeah, we do acid." And George was like, "What the fuck, Paul? Like, what are you doing?" He's mercurial. <laughs> yeah. That's the best way to describe it. Extremely talented. Yes, probably the uh, the greatest songwriter of all time. If it wasn't for him, the Beatles would have broken up in like 1964. Yeah, yeah. It's just great when he releases a new album, and it's just dog shit. <laughs> but there are always no lie. There's always two songs you're like. Oh, okay. I, I think the it. last I one. I, that's why he's Paul McCartney. The last one I actually listened to, like front to back, was Curiosity and Creation in the Backyard, which is a solid album. That's a good album. That's a solid album. I would back say to it's back. a great album. It's a good album. I'd say there's the there are majority of the songs on that album are good. All right. Paul McCartney discography talk. Let's go. Compared, Driving Rain. Compared to Memory Almost Full. Which opening song is fucking awesome. Is that Dance Tonight? Yeah. yeah. The, the mandolin. I will say, Memory Almost Full, this is the worst subject for like 95% of Clone Cast. <laughs> right now, the authorian historian's like, yeah, keep it going. Let's go. Let's cook this up. <laughs> Memory Almost Full, terrible album. It has one great song. Um, but the the album art, I actually quite like. It had that <laughs> Just chair. Just the armchair? Yeah, yeah, the armchair. Just all white armchair, and then I think it had like a hot pink McCartney over yeah. it. Uh, it. It has... A traditional Paul has this tradition of making a really bad song, and you're just like, I know this is fucking awful, but god damn, it's catchy. <laughs> you know which one I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Nod your head. <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad. Yeah, maybe we'll. Uh, should we throw nod your head in there? You'll hear that now. I feel like we have to do a bit of a close react to it at least. Uh, I'm. I haven't heard nod your. You head got time in a while. to edit. We're recording early. Yeah, we're recording early. Oh, there it is. There's the armchair. All right, let's take a listen to this. It's so bad. I can't. I can't. Let him get going. Let him get going. This is the song on the album where I was like, what is he doing? Paul's gone too far. This is fucking horrible. I got to tell you, I like it. (laughs) I don't know how. You say it. If you really love me, baby. Oh, this is where it gets really dumb. Let's turn it up. He tells us to. 
Not it up here. <laughs> oh, this is where it gets really bad. Round and round. It actually doesn't. All right, now let me it's, say something. It's reminiscent of Dirty Laundry. And one of the reasons why I hate that fucking song so much. Kick them while they up. Kick them while they're down. That's not the same. It's literally the same lyrics. <laughs> literally I gotta is. say, there's a weird catchiness to it. I don't know what you're talking about. It's like a wild honey pie catchiness. It is. It's you it don't is, like the orchestration no. or the strings. No, I do not. Look, it is, look, it is create. It's off the fucking wall. I did. I did not expect it when I first heard it. Like this is the kind of shit I expect from Paul in 1968. Yeah. Or like John, you know, yeah. like there's like, oh, just, let's make some no, noise. No, John would be like, this is a piece of shit, Paul. Well, John this thinks, on the album. John apparently thought everything was a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, John. Paul has like 15 songs better than your best this, song. So Fuck you. This is the album. Sorry. That, sorry. This is the I'm album. I'm in a good mood tonight. This is the album that came out after Curiosity and Creation, right? Remember yes. Almost Full? It makes sense because I remember reading a Rolling Stone article where they interviewed Paul McCartney about curiosity and creation and i forget the name of the producer on that album but on curiosity and creation it's the same guy that worked with like tom york and radiohead on a bunch of their albums and i'm pretty sure rick rubin did one of paul's albums maybe in that that's era. who it was but like rick rubin has worked rick rubin has definitely produced a paul he's produced an who, album by every major artist whoever ever. it was paul mccartney in <clears throat> this rolling stone interview said that it was the first time in a long time that he's gotten pushback from a producer mm -hmm. or a music engineer or someone was like, that wasn't a good take, Paul. Let's do it again. Or like, I don't like what you're doing with the song. We're going to try something different. And Paul was like, walked out of the studio a couple of times because he hadn't gotten that level of pushback in so long. But then in the interview, Paul's like, but it actually turned out to be a good record. So I'm, I'm happy that we yeah. he did that. And then so like, it doesn't surprise me that the next album that came out, he found a producer that was like, whatever you want to do, Paul, I'm here for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, Paul is always I don't know. I don't who produced like the Wings albums. I'm trying to think. Was it just self? -produced? I don't remember. I almost feel like it was just self-produced. It's not like he was bringing George Martin in. I don't know. Jeff Lynn might have been on that on a couple of those. Well, I know Jeff Lynn produced Flaming Pie. Yeah. Which is a great album. Yep. Shocking. It's shocking because Steve, he also produced because like a lot Steve of the great... Miller is on some of those tracks. Yep. Um, it, yeah, I don't know. I didn't. Apparently, if you read the the liner notes, it's like Paul rekindled an old friendship with Steve Miller. And I'm like, <laughs> since when was Paul friends with fucking Steve Miller? Let's move on. Like, if there's anything. Anyway, welcome to yeah. the clone. Welcome cast. to the clone cast. It's a Star Wars podcast. Believe it or not. That's the word on the street. Uh, I swear to God. It really is. We swear. It's a Star Wars podcast. It's been a while since it's taken us this long to get into the intro. Well, we had to nod our head. <laughs> yeah. We had to get the double head nod to get approval <laughs> to fully intro the episode. So uh, what we do here is, though, we, we are watching in chronological order. We're reviewing it. That goddamn Rebel Show, the Star Wars Rebel Show. We used to do the Clone Wars. You can go back and take a listen. Uh, we have a clone cast of Tay who just reached out. Yeah. Um, and is on, like, episode 90 now and has been eating it up. But that's Clone Wars days, I'm pretty sure. My, my yeah. hat's off to you. Like, I cannot believe that people are go back to the very beginning. Well, Tay did mention that they skipped the first five. They tried the first five episodes. <laughs> like, right. it was really tough. Luckily, those are the shortest ones. <laughs> yep. um, but the problem is they get long now. And so what we normally do is we bullshit for 20 to 40 minutes. And then, and then after we that, get that episode, we get right on into that. That's episode. when the Star Wars really begins. Sometimes the Star Wars begins now, though. Yeah. 
I think we will get to some Star Wars in the early beginnings of this episode. There's a lot of Star Wars to talk about. So before we get right on in there, we can talk about some Star Wars. Do you want to get Sega Bass Fishing out of the way this week? Maybe yeah, everybody waited about it. 20 minutes last week. Let's do this. Enjoy your fishing. A new tournament passport. It's the Bass Fishing Sound Effect of the Week. Sponsored by St. Barnabas. Okay. <laughs> we got to reach out to St. Barnabas. Oh, man. I'm going to have to take a week off when he kicks it. <laughs> I know. Oh, the curse. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> How many weeks in a row can we not do curse you, somebody before it no longer is a curse? Do you think Ringo is going to outlive Paul? Yes. It would, it would be perfect that the oldest beetle is Ringo, and he outlives all of them. It would make sense, but I also think that for, like, a fan as fans, that might be, like, the most enjoyable outcome for us. <laughs> yeah. Because I know what Paul will say in interviews. Once Ringo's the only one left, he's the only one left to tell the stories all from inside are the off. room. Yeah. And I could just see Ringo just going ham on and just... Ringo, like, Ringo is rich as fuck, but Ringo still, for some reason, Ringo just, he's got that, he's got that Liverpudlian carny in him, you know, and he, he will grift, and, like, I swear, Ringo will write, like, some, like, tell-all book, and it's gonna just nuggets upon nuggets. Like, all the Epstein-Lennon stuff, that'll be out. That'll be, that's not even gonna be a rumor anymore. What I wanna say, so after, after Paul... Brian Epstein, by the way, not... Oh, not yeah, yeah, yeah. Completely different <laughs> Epstein. Completely different. Yeah, once Paul kicks it, I would like to see them bring back celebra- celebrity boxing just to see Ringo and Pete Best go at it. <laughs> That'd be fun. Oh, man. I hate Pete Best. <laughs> He's such a dickhead. He really is. <laughs> like, dude, you just weren't that good of a he drummer. He really Sorry. got fucked out of stuff. Well, he did, but he wasn't a good... Like, Ringo gets... Ringo doesn't get enough credit for one. Yeah. He doesn't. Well, I mean, there are some theories and some things behind the scenes that are lesser known why Pete Best might have got booted from the band. I don't... Off the top, I'm sure I've heard him, but I don't care. It was, so, so, Neil Aspinall was a longtime friend of... Like John and Paul, and he worked end up working for Apple too, or something. Yeah, he was like yeah, he, he was, was like their long time. He was their man. Uh, some he wasn't a. He was like a publicist. It was like from the beginning, he was like a producer, publicist. Like he ran. He was an official representative of the band though during yes. their heyday. Yeah, yeah. Um, but in, he, they knew him since he was a teenager. Yeah, he and, was in Hamburg with them too, wasn't he? He was like younger with. That's them. what I'm getting at. Okay, he never went to Hamburg when they were in Hamburg with Pete Best. Neil Aspinall had an affair with Pete Best's mom and ended up getting her pregnant and then abandoned her. And the whole band was like, all right, well, this is too messy. We got to just kick Pete out of the band. So Neil Aspinall's um, just abandoned son is the half-brother of Pete Best. Yes. Is that true? Or yeah. are you this is all hearsay? No, it was in the Brian, uh, Brian Spitz biography. It was only like a paragraph, but it does mention it. I feel like that should get more than a paragraph. And I think Pete Best, so Pete Best did a weird like tour back in, this must have been 2005. And uh, in Minnesota, there's a bunch of like, I don't, people associated with Prince. So there's a lot of like music instrument designers. And I was friends 
with somebody whose dad did a lot of it or whose uncle did a lot of it. Is this turning into a Ferris Bueller situation? Here? I don't know. But yeah. this guy, like somehow Pete Best got in touch with him or Pete Best people. And he was like, I like the instruments you design. Can you design this for me? And he did a weird tour. And I ended up seeing like Pete Best's like band play at Shamrocks in St. Paul. Pete Best played at Shamrocks yeah. in St. Paul. Yeah. And he was a dick. He was a dick. Oh, he just sat in a booth, and anybody that came up to him, he was like, mm. Yeah. Did did he play anything that we would know? I'm uh, guessing he did I Love think Me just, Do. I think they were just Beatles covers, and really? then a couple of originals that like nobody gave a shit about. <laughs> well, I couldn't give a shit about Pete Best. Pete Best playing Beatle covers, but that guy who designed his yeah. instruments is the one that like we got told move on. the story. No, we got We got to move on. <laughs> we really this do. means nothing to most people. We're talking about Pete Best. Welcome to the Clone Cast. Hey, Clone Cast knows. If I were to quiz you right now, how many of you can say this? Who is Pete Best? How many people are just how ma- in the last in the last ten minutes? How many times have we explained who Pete Best is? <laughs> I think we kind of implied it once that he was the previous drummer. Like I had mentioned that Ringo is underrated, and they said, well, Pete Best. Wait, what was the name of the bassist? But we never said Pete Best was the original drummer of the Beatles. What was the name of the bassist that John killed because he kicked him in the head? Stu Sutcliffe. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Call him Stu. Got a good vibe with him. Did he kill him? Apparently, he died of a brain hemorrhage, and it was like like a week later. It was a week after John kicked him in the head. (laughs) So is he, yeah, um... Anyways, we got to move on. This is not... We could do a Beatles bonus episode. We'll get one download. It'll be the Authorian man. Yeah, um, yeah so uh, Gary Minnesota Bonds, speaking of music, um, uh, he selected this one, and it's going to be voice number 29. So we got one left. Um, I'll, I'm assuming by the time you're hearing this, I've posted the updated ones in Discord. We're little behind uh, behind baseball here. This is only two days after we recorded the last one. Yeah, I'm so. going on vacation. Yeah. So we got so one can in tell, the bag. I cheered up quite a bit in that amount of time. <laughs> I don't give a shit about that. Getting dumped on there. I, I literally, like, 20 minutes after you left. Yeah, you like, get I'm one fine. more match, and you're like, I'm fine. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> anyway, so uh, I'll post that in the Discord. And uh, this is number 29. You ready for it? Sega Bass yep. Fishing. Sound effect of the week. No, missed. <laughs> oh, no, missed. Thank Barnabas. No, missed. Thank Barnabas. No, missed. Thank Barnabas. Coming of the Jedi was a sign. Thank Barnabas. It was a sign. <laughs> it rules, man. I love St. Barnabas. Okay. That's a good one. That was a good one. That's solid. All right. Good pick, Gary Minnesota Bonds. So we'll get to Moe's next week. I believe Moe has number 93. Yeah, 93 from Moe. So we need more requests, and if those don't come in. Yeah, well, I got to post it in the Discord, the updated numbers. I'm back to guessing if we don't get anything. And then it just becomes. (laughs) Oh, I know they'll deliver. Uh, They'll deliver. We'll get at least five to ten. It'll be fine. We'll be good to go. Sega Bass Fishing will live on. And if you haven't joined the Discord yet, just send us an email, clonecastpod.gmail.com. We'll send you the link. Yes, we will send you the link. Um, Also, I mean, you could probably try Dr. Typho PhD on Twitter. Um, Although I just... (laughs) I just what? responded to a message that the Authorian Historian, the Authorian Historian, Historian sent me that was over a month and a half ago, okay. and I just responded today. So you know, I'm on the Twitter break. You you could check in every now I know. and you could uh, you know. Well, it's Elon fucked everything up. Well, how about this? I'll start checking the messages. Okay, I'm not going to be tweeting, and I'm not doom scrolling. Yeah. I'll I'll test my will. So you can reach out to us, Clonecast Pod on Twitter. Yep, I'm not checking tweets though. 
Not checking tweets. We might have Garrick's drafts for you, but I'm not checking tweets. Uh, not yet. Someday I will. When Ahsoka comes out, I, I think I'm going to have to go yeah. back to Twitter. Um, okay, we do have some listener mail if you want to do that, unless you had anything pressing you wanted to get to. Well, you took a field trip, didn't you? Or do you want to get to that after the mailbag? Uh, you pick. I don't care. Either one. Let's get to the field trip. You want to do the field trip? Yeah. You can waste well, time with your friends when your chores are done. Now, come on. Get to it. We have lots of that. Nothing can make me change my mind. Yep. I would like to see the baby. Well, hello, James Lipton. Hurt myself here. There's a troll in Central Park. I'm King Lord. I'm born anew in your genius. James Barnabas. I love that clip. I'm the only one that likes that. It clip. is hilarious that that wacky guy, <laughs> just what, 20, 20 scant years later, murdered someone on the set of a movie. <laughs> a movie called Rust. <laughs> a movie called Rust. <laughs> yeah, that was Alec Baldwin uh, as, um, I forget the character's name, Charles Charles Nelson Riley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's who it is. Yeah. He's playing Charles Nelson Riley on Inside the Actor's Studio. It's the most underrated Will Ferrell, period. It's, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, him as James Lipton is incredible. With the giant stack of note cards. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, real St. Barnabas energy going on there. St. Barnabas! <laughs> Barnabas! <laughs> uh, that, should have, that should be the goal of the podcast. Get Paul McCartney on to talk Star Wars. Yeah. You think he still smokes dope? Oh, of course. Are you sure? I'm positive. <laughs> He's a vegan, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. He has been for a very long time. Yeah, Linda was a vegan. Yep. We got it. We we just should not. We just mention. get Beatles talk is like a whirlpool for us. Yeah, we just get it's just sucked into it. And I think sometimes in the podcast we'll repeat a story that we might have told fifty episodes ago. <laughs> but I swear, like the Beatles stuff, we just like pull out random dumb shit. Yeah. constantly. I don't think we repeat ourselves when we're talking Beatles. Um. Anyways. Uh, what were we doing? What was the segment? Oh, yeah, I visited Steve. So now you had gone in and visited Steve and got him to wish me the happy birthday. Yeah, we finally um, got Steve's voice on the podcast. Yeah, so Steve was actually the full appearance. I don't know. I don't think he knew that that's what it was for, but, you know, no. you, you stuck the recorder out. He knew he was being yeah. recorded. Yeah, so you had gone in and Steve wished me a happy birthday and it sounded like this. Okay. Hey, Tom, Steve from Cedar Cliff. I hear it's your birthday. Cool. <laughs> I got a giant batch of Silver Age coming in tomorrow. We'll see you later. <laughs> Let's do it again. Hey, Tom, Steve from Cedar Cliff. I hear it's your birthday. Cool. cool. <laughs> I got a giant batch of Silver Age coming in tomorrow. We'll see you later. Right the lack of the no pause there with yep. cool. Like, no, you didn't, you know, just cool. Cool. <laughs> Dismiss it. Uh, now it's promotion time. Oh, so great. So the I, only regret yeah. I have is I didn't swing by Mr. Zeros on the way here to record that day yeah. and get his message, too. Well, because um, that message would have been 29 minutes long. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're good with just the all right on Mr. Zero. Yeah. Because otherwise he'll just keep going. Um, so I had to go in and see Steve. Thank him for wishing me a happy birthday. So I did go in and see Steve over the weekend. Um, and it was, I would say it was a 
a fruitful trip. Now, okay. there were a bunch of lackeys there, and these were weird lackeys. They looked more like normal people. So not normal squirrely guy. They're not squirrely guy, but it was like the nerdy dads who are well-adjusted that are there on the weekend just, like, are excited to talk to somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So Steve was talking and answering questions about various things and stuff like that, and they are, they must be regulars because they seem pretty comfortable with them. Now, there was a kid behind the counter, and I think Steve has a son. <laughs> I don't know. There was no squirrely guy. There was nobody else working in there. And he kind of looked like a 12-year-old Steve. We have to talk to son of Steve. <laughs> <laughs> son of Steve. <laughs> it's the summer of sun. <laughs> um, yeah, we got to find out, though. Do you think he just named him, like, Todd? Or do you, what think, do you think he went, like, all I... in and called him, like, Thanos or what something? What if I walked in and just I went all out and I was like, Steve, I need. I got to be honest. I want to make a documentary about you. I just need a couple of hours of you telling your story, and yep. I just just play them all on the podcast and don't make a documentary. I think I just figured out what episode three hundred special thing is going to be. <laughs> Steve from Cedar Cliff I documentary. Think need, I think the goal, the episode three hundred, like we do the. I think what did I do the first time? I made um. I made like I I edited in some speeches. And yeah, then, yeah. Uh, yeah, but then last time I did the the fake, no, I mean the real, how we grew up, and then yeah, I mean I think the only way to go would be getting Steve on in a full interview. Yeah, at least five we minutes. Really with Steve. should. We got we got ninety eight weeks to go. If any, if there's any, and you're already in good with him. You got him business. We can talk about. He it. did call me a regular when Squirrely Guy threatened to kick me out. Really. Yeah, you know, you remember that? Squirrely guy's like, it's five minutes before it glows. Do you want me to kick this guy out? Oh, and yeah. Steve was like, ah, he's a yet. regular. I know that guy. He knows my name. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I visited Steve. Um, that should be the goal, though. We got to get Steve on. If any, any, That would be perfect for episode 300. If any enterprising clone Castanova wants to leave a Google review of Cedar Cliff, just rate five stars and say, I love Steve. From as many appearances on no, the no, Clone Cast want, podcast, we want to go down that road. Absolutely, we do. Okay, all right. That's on you. Then, if you're leaving if five get, stars, if we get blackballed, I will take the blackball. You don't have to. Well, you're going to be the one that gets the heat. He's the, he talks to you more than he talks yeah. to me. So yeah, I went and visited Steve, and as soon as I walk in there, Steve is on fire. He's holding court with these nerds. <laughs> As he does, and I I walk in in the middle of something, and this is what I heard. He said, yeah, the 1992 Madonna sex book. Yeah, the Australian one. He goes, it was a stampede for that book. (laughs) (laughs) He goes, now, Steve means well. Okay, Steve means well, and Steve has said some very positive progressive things. He's just rough around the edges. Yes. This is what he says. He's set in his ways. Yeah. He says, he's like, yeah, that's worth a lot. I would blow a guy for that book. (laughs) And the guy's like, really? But knowing Steve, he might actually. I think he's very comfortable with his own sexuality. Oh, yeah. 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 I think he'd rather blow a guy than pay whatever $800 I looked it up. It's apparently a rare book or something. Have you, so have you seen it? I, I I remember hearing about it as a kid, and I looked it up after I was there just out of curiosity. I was like, oh, man, yeah, like 800 bucks for a new one or something yeah, on Amazon. Yeah, in high school, I had a neighbor who, for whatever reason, she's like, oh, yeah, my parents have the Madonna sex book. And this is before I knew what the fuck that was. I was like, I didn't realize Madonna did that. She, My neighbor was like, 
yeah, she did this whole kind of book, and it was super controversial at the time. What's a, what's controversial about it? Well, at the time, it, she was a giant pop star, and it's like a ton of nudity and like very pro- provocative photos, and like there's pictures of like bondage and like that type of thing. And this was like in what eighty nine, ninety one, something like that. Steve said nineteen ninety two. I'll take okay. Steve's advice yeah, yeah, on yeah. that one. Yeah. But that I think it was very controversial for the time. But I got to page through it. Yeah. Pretty tame by today's standards. I'm yes. Guessing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> by today's standards, it's like very artfully done. And as we know, Steve will do things that are far more risque yes. and exotic than actually <laughs> yeah. transpire in the book that he want that he would be doing those things for. So, exactly. Ah, the world's a crazy place, man. <laughs> um but yeah, and then I don't know, like the guys were talking, there's people, it was busy, it was a Saturday, so it was actually kind of busy in there, and it's not a big place, so if somebody's having a conversation right next to you, I can't really make out the other conversation. That was unfortunately like half my experience there. But I did catch him say something very strange, and I have no idea what the context was, but he just goes, yeah, a tree hugger, he's a real tree hugger. <laughs> And he goes, one too many documentaries, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Catching Steve out of context sometimes yeah. is better than getting the context. What I think it, uh, my headcanon is it, that it's like a friend of his that went like off grid and like tied himself to a tree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like somebody who got super. One of those, one yeah. of those members of Elf. Yeah. <laughs> that ended up <laughs> getting put in prison yeah. for 20 years. One of those eco terrorists yeah. or whatever they are, you know, like, no, you're not going to cut down. Something those like guys that. were fucking awesome. They <laughs> Strap, really, yeah. strap dynamite to a fucking bulldozer. Yeah. Wasn't like Fern Gully dedicated to them? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We should watch Fern Gully. You big Fern Gully guy? I, I think I, like I only that. watched it once. Try saying that a... fast. Fern Gully Fern guy. Fern Gully. A Fern Gully guy. Yeah. That's a great. That sounds great. I love that. Fern fruit, Gully guy. A fruit bat in that thing? There is. the, And I think he's the wild, wacky, comedic relief. He is. Yeah. yeah. And he's like running and he probably flies into a tree and gets flattened and pancaked. <laughs> and then, you know, it probably gets in the hair of one of the construction workers that's trying to take down a big sequoia. All, you know? it, t- all it, it took for someone to become an eco-terrorist was reading The Lorax by Dr. Seuss and watching Fern Gully oh, <laughs> as an older child. Okay. So since we transitioned to working from home. I um, they do these Zoom meetings, right, where they want to, you know, they want to keep the the culture, you know. <laughs> and so these particular meetings are just like people that used to work in the office that some of them aren't on even my team. We're just we were on the same floor and we're in like vaguely the same department. Right. And so they these mixers every now and then. And today was one of the mixers on the Zoom. And we played a game of Jeopardy. These questions were. One, I won. OK, <laughs> let's just put that out there. Tom dominated. But the first question, I don't know who wrote this, but it was it it was mind numbing how some of these questions they were like, um, I can't remember the category, but it was like uh movie characters or something like that. And it was like, This character wears a tall hat, has orange hair, and the hat has stripes or something. So it implies that the character has orange hair. And while I'm like, I mean, it sounds the hat they're describing sounds like the cat in the hat. But the cat in the hat, that's a black cat. Doesn't have orange hair. No orange hair. And so nobody gets it right. And we're all like, what? And who is it? And so they reveal the answer. And it says the cat in the hat. Well, that's ridiculous. Uh, Yeah, it was absurd. I said, we should all get 400. If you even bothered to guess and make an ass out of yourself, (laughs) 
We should all get the four hundred dollars. Are they that mixing one. up the cat in Thing One and Thing Two? I don't. But those they're not orange. I don't know. None of them. The only one I can think of that's orange is the Lorax. <laughs> these people making these questions. They, they need I to need to find out who made the these questions because I got. I got to go pick their brain a bit. And then they tried They tried to get really nifty with it, and they had, like, an entire uh, category of, like, riddles. It said, so easy but so mean, it was called. And, like, there were, like, riddles, and he's like, the more of these that you take, the more you leave behind. And I was like, I don't know, money. And everybody guessed some random thing. You know, it was footsteps. Uh-huh. Ah, yeah. Unless you're walking on the beach and you have troubled times. You know which, you know which, uh, <laughs> then you leave one set of footprints. Yeah. Because Jesus is carrying you. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I was, uh, well, no, a category I really mopped up in though and just really distanced myself. Broadway show tunes. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Got Mama Mia. Got Lion King. Oh, got Audrey Hepburn. Um, Phantom? Uh, fan, we, we didn't get to all of the questions. We got three of the five okay, there. Right. I, when I was controlling the bar, I was like, let's go with Broadway Anything about the yeah. longest running show yeah. on Broadway is always I should have stuck with Broadway show tunes because I went over to something. This is, we're off track. Okay. This is actually like a big episode, too. <laughs> I know. It's a fairly big episode. Um, but yeah, so um, there was that. Um but anyways, you know, Steve continued holding court and everybody was enthralled because that's what Steve does. He just enthralls these people that are in there just listening to him, hanging on his every word. Steve's the cool kid. He um, is captivating. He really is. So I'm, I'm kind of I grab a couple things. I found a couple Dark Horse omnibuses that were fairly priced for uh, Star Wars Dark Horse back then. Yep. One of them has Kiati Mundi wearing a really funny hat. <laughs> yeah, you I showed, showed me that. that and I was just like, I got to get this just for the hat. When I come back to Twitter, I'll be doing something with the hat. Uh, another one was Quinlan Voss with Ayla Sakura. Apparently, Ayla Sakura, and I, don't, I don't know if it's canon, but in the Dark Horse comics, Ayla Sakura is Quinlan Voss's Padawan. Yeah, yeah. Which I found interesting, and I did not know that. But this particular omnibus had some stories about them, so I got that. Uh, but yeah, so I also got a Rogue Squadron on N64 for 15 bucks. Not we bad. Got the CRT, we got to get yep. that cooking. But anyway, so I'm going up there and. He's, it's a fucking, the thing about Cedar Cliff, we've said it before, it's just this like tiny hole in the wall and it's just packed with shit. There doesn't seem to be much rhyme or reason. No, it's like Steve will get an order in and he'll open the box and kind of like take it out and just like throw it anywhere there's space. Yeah. And then eventually he'll like organize. Yes. But well, when like it the first Star comes Wars in. figures are generally in the same area, but then you'll be on the other side of the store and there's like <laughs> ten different black That's just the best randomly part. there. Yeah. They're like, they're like, like, why is this here? Is this on clearance? No, it's full price. There is a there is a pronounced section yeah. for Star Wars, but a random corner just is a a, a cavalcade of just random yeah. sci-fi action figures. But like the really exciting stuff is up high on shelving. Um, so, you know, you're like statues, the PVC your, statues. Those are your high ticket items. Yeah, your hot toys. Yeah. And a toy caught my eye, and I was just kind of like, hey, how much is that? Now, this is a General Grievous sideshow. And Steve's like, well, it's not the, it's not the hot toys one, but it's even better because it's cheaper that way. So it's a sideshow collectibles General Grievous, right? And they make a bunch of PVC statues and all that. They got a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like, they're a pretty big company when it comes to collectibles. And I was like, oh, uh, how much is it? And he's like, $199.99. I was like, shit. I, I was thinking like Hot Toys prices because I thought it was a Hot Toys at first. So I was thinking it was going to be like 500 bucks for this Grievous. And he's like, um, 
No, uh, he said it was 150. He said it was 150. He's like, oh, it's 150. And I was like, oh, that's not a bad deal. I was like, oh, I'll give myself a little uh, gift. I didn't say birthday yet, but I'll give myself a little treat, I figure. So I was like, actually, I'll take it. That's a lot cheaper than I thought you were going to say. I'm going to take that Grievous. He gets it down. And he's like, oh, it's actually 199.99. Ah, fuck it. I'll give it to you for 150. <laughs> He probably could have just greatest. been like, oh, shit, sorry, it's one ninety nine, And I probably would have like, that's still a lot cheaper than I thought it was. Yeah. And I was already at the point where I was like, Steve had me going from his uh, stampede for that book. He had me going. <laughs> so I was hooked. Up. I was magnetized by Steve. So I probably would have just bought it anyways. But he's like, ah, fuck it. You can have her 150 anyways. It's been sitting here too long. And so then he's, you know, he's getting this shit together. I go to check out and I'm like, oh, by the way, thanks for the uh, birthday wishes. That was my buddy that was in here. The other. He's like, oh, no shit. That was you. Wait a second. I give you that fucking discount. You didn't even have to tell me it was your birthday. Gave him the discount anyway. Yeah. And then he just kind of shakes his head and keeps going, gave him a discount anyway. See? He's he says a, it like three or four he's times. A solid yeah. guy. Um, but yeah, so I check out. I said thanks to Steve. And then I got out of there. It's it's a real construction zone over there out front right now. Oh, yeah. When yeah. I first pulled up, like the entire front is covered in plastic. I like, didn't, if you, I didn't if realize you were it was just open. driving by, you might be like, oh, I think it's closed for the time being. I'm, I, I got to assume Steve isn't happy about how that's impacting business. <laughs> no, but I, like, I did look exactly through the plastic exactly where I know the open sign was, and it was shining. So <laughs> I did, yeah. I gave it a good look, but the problem is the plastic, it's it's clear, but it's that, like, it's grayish opaque. clear. Yeah, it's that opaque yeah. clear. You know, it's the construction yep. site yeah. clear. And so you really have to kind of look, and if the sun's hitting it right, it may, may not be able to really tell. But, yeah, I don't know. Steve's probably still moving a shit ton of product. But then know? after Cedar... It's never an issue for Steve to move product. After Cedar Cliff... While you were in the East Metro, I came over and stopped by Adam's place. Saw my house for the first time. Do we really have to tell everybody it's the first time? I I think people don't understand the hermit of me. Well, it's been a while. Yeah. Well, you've been there a little while now, and I haven't been over there. It's been two and a half years, something like that. I was just always waiting for you to start doing Uber and Lyft in any time you're in the area stop by. But I think the only time I communicated with you when I was doing Uber and Lyft, like when I was out and about doing it, is when I thought I was getting carjacked. <laughs> the dude got in the car wearing a ski mask. And there were there were a lot of carjackings happening at the Turns time. Turns out he was just cold. I bought into the media panic. <laughs> well, I don't know, man. It was like, it wasn't that fucking That cold. was a fun <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> me working oh, so with stupid. Minneapolis Police Dispatch yeah. to try to triangulate your location. But yeah, I did stop by the place. I, I visited uh, you and Bree. Yeah. And, uh, and Izzy. It was and good to Izzy. see Izzy. Um, yeah, it's a great place. We're, we're thinking of setting up like a Clonecast Eastside Studios. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to we're going to cover the entire metro. It's all part of the expansion plans. If we live to be like 500 years old, we might even make it to Iowa. <laughs> This expansion, man, it's it's manifest destiny. You're just gonna do whatever you can to avoid the state of Wisconsin. Um, no, you know what? I'm I'm letting go. Okay, I'm letting go. I'm fine with Wisconsin. I'm I'm done. The joke has run its course. I don't actually give a shit about Wisconsin. It's like the same fucking state. Who? Yeah, exactly. They're all the same fucking state over here. Hudson is practically a suburb of St. Paul. It is a Twin City suburb. It's yes. included on our census. <laughs> yeah, it is. The Hudson, Wisconsin residents are one of the 3.2 million proud Twin City metropolitan area citizens. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think they should just hire me for the tourism board here. Like, <laughs> really I should literally should. just be the Twin Cities, like, explore Minnesota pitch man, really. Yeah. They don't even have to write a script for me. I just, right off the top of my dome. They're not going to find a better candidate. I'm like a walking Wikipedia article on these damn <laughs> yeah. things. Um, but, yeah, so uh, that was Steve, though. It was great to see Steve, and then I visited you, and that was fun. We had a beer. Um, and then I went out to uh, on a date that was very successful, and then uh, that ended in the middle of the last episode. <laughs> and I don't care anymore. <laughs> I stopped caring pretty quick after we finished recording that I night. figured as much. I got a short memory. Yeah. It's that weed that I'm on. <laughs> you asked me if it was in therapy. Yeah. That weed, it makes it's you forget everything. <laughs> I don't even know what day it is, man. Um <laughs> Okay, I do want to check in with uh, our Bay Area clone casting of. We got a little more mail. Yeah. Second time in the last month, huh? <laughs> really? Well, about a month? Yeah. Greetings, exalted yeah. one. Allow me to introduce myself. Yatta. Yatta. I really want this to hit just one time. I mean, I don't think I'm going to get it. Congratulations! You've got mail. St. Barnabas. St. Barnabas! Um, I don't think playing through it, playing through Tears of the Kingdom, it's not going to hit like that. It's just not going to. That's yeah. not the kind of... But just give it to me once, man. <laughs> yeah. Like, the first time you hit, like, Hyrule Field on a horse, like, going full speed, that music should build as you start going faster on the horse. It's like it, they build it into... Th- other songs and other themes. Yeah, it's and it, never... it's always very satisfying when you hear it, but it never goes all in on it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think the closest it went to going all in on it in the last two games was in Breath of the Wild when you're talking to the um, the accordion player at the stables. Yeah. And he tells you the story of the hero Cass? of time. Cass. Yeah. yeah. Um, he plays it on the accordion when he's telling the story of the hero of time. Fuck yeah, he does. And he hits it pretty hard. Yep. Pretty hard. But I want a full orchestral as I charge into battle. Yeah. I will be very I will freak the fuck out. I'll probably end up getting myself killed if Although when that, I fight when I fight the demon king, Ganon, if that hits, I'll probably fuck something up, man. I'll get too excited. Although that's I'll probably break my switch. That score for the Wind Temple boss, that's something else. I love I've I've loved what they've done with the dungeons. Uh, are we get, we'll do video game corner after. Yeah, maybe we'll get to video game. But let's, yeah, so uh, Force Priestess Lexus checked in. Now, um, she sent a lovely birthday greeting over. Um, now, I do want to say, so I think Lexus, uh, as Clone Castanovas, many of them end up getting their own theme music, right? Now, Lexus is our Bay Area Clone Castanova, so I kind of want to run two songs by you for potential Lexus theme songs. <laughs> is one of them Journey? No. Oh, no. Uh, so this is the first song that I have for the suggestion. I'm going to let you be the time, the tie-breaking vote, because I'm torn. I can't figure it out. So this is Otis Redden sitting on the dock of the bay. Yeah? You know this song? Oh, of course I know this song. You sure you ever heard it? Yeah, of course. It's not that popular. It's very less than, you know. It's probably on, like, a Folgers commercial or some shit. It's a beautiful song. It is. Oh. But- you can play this entire song on the guitar with all major bar chords. So you just you literally put your hand it's a on the G and you just song. slide up and down. It's an easy song to play, and it's perfect. So there's that one. Uh, here's the other one, though. This one, I don't know. This one's a, this is your dark horse contender, so. Down by the bay. It's Raffy down by the bay. Because it's San Francisco Bay Area. You know. I'm going with the, I'm going, I'm really going hard on the bay theme. 
Yeah, but what about... Did Hold you on. ever see a goose kissing a moose? Down, down by, by the, the bay, bay, down, down by, by the bay, bay, where the watermelons grow. It is catchy. This song fucking rocks. I love this shit in my like first to, grade. I'll listen to this over Nod Your Head. Yeah, it's probably a better song than Nod Your Head. Did you ever see a whale with a polka dot tail? Oh, down by the bay, down by the bay. Boom, 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 boom. Get me a jug, boom. Boom, 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 boom. My mother will say. What will she say? Did you ever see a fly wearing a tie? That's uh, who's that? Who's the bug guy from Teenage Mutant Turtles? Egon Baxter or Doctor Baxter? He wears a tie. He's a bug. Let's just listen to the whole thing at this point. This episode's off the rails. My mother will say. Did you ever see a bear combing his hair Woo! down by the bald bear? That bald bear. Remember that bald bear? He was combing his hair out like a fryer tuck. You know? I really, I'm curious what, I don't remember what he's got for us here. I do like the song. It's very catchy. Did you ever see llamas eating their pajamas down by the bay, down by the I think they're going to have indigestion. Back to my home. Pretty complex. Has he got another one for us? Or is he going to do something to fade out here? I this is intended for children. Oh. Did you ever have a time when you couldn't make a rhyme? Down by but you did it anyways! Maybe we'll have to do a clone cast uh, Down by the Bay cover. But you're missing one. There's another song. Did you ever see an Adam? Being Adam. Down by... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, the Journey song lights. The oh, when the lights go down in the city. No, uh, they specifically call it the city by the bay. Did I ever tell you how I feel about Journey? I, I'm assuming you hate them. I think they fucking suck. And I I have never been a huge fan I remember I lo- I, don't, I I really can't take you I would seriously take a if stand. you're going to tell me you will I know you'll say this too. I will be like Don Henley or Journey and you'll say Journey. Yes, absolutely. That's insane. No. It's Don insane. Henley solo, I take Journey. Don Henley and the Eagles, I take the Eagles. But I used to say Foreigner was a, sup- a superior band than Journey. I go back on that now. But I digress. You know, 15 minutes ago, we were talking about the Beatles, and now we're now we're debating the merits of Foreigner versus Journey. The lead singer quit, and they just replaced him with a Filipino guy. <laughs> His name's Arnell. I know him. The only Journey CD I ever bought was in 2005. It's called like Rebirth or something. It is so fucking awesome. It wasn't. It was a Walmart exclusive, and that's when I worked at Walmart, and. I didn't give a shit about the the uh, the new music that they did. I was just really curious because this is like before, you know, this was before like music was re- you had to get CDs. Like, yeah, you could go on LimeWire, but it was in that weird murky area where you really couldn't trust anything on any of the share the peer to peers anymore. Oh yeah, so it was like you could buy it on Apple or you could get CDs, but you could go to LimeWire, but it's just not trustworthy anymore. Too many executable files blowing up computers. You don't want to do it. So I was really curious because I heard, like, this guy sounds exactly like Steve Perry. Like, it's indistinguishable. And fucking Journey, the shrewd businessman that they are, (laughs) 
or just how pathetic this is when I'm going to tell you what it is. The most one of the most pathetic things I've ever seen a very successful like a musical act do. So they released their new dumb fucking album that nobody could give a shit about. It's 2005, right? And included with the album is a second disc and it's all of Journey's greatest hits sung by Arnel Pineda <laughs> <laughs> or whatever Arnel Pineda or whatever. I forget his name. I know his first name's Arnell. So they literally just released like a bonus greatest hits album where they just had him sing the songs and they re-recorded everything. So I was like, I have to hear this. I have. It literally sounds exactly. It's indistinguishable. The same. It's they found the they literally the found guy is, the guy is fucking incredible. Yeah. Um. And that's kind of whenever like I think about like a Star Wars character like you know James Earl Jones retired Darth Vader I'm like just find a guy yeah that sounds just like and Darth Vader if you can sound just like him it's not like you got to do a ton of inflection and this very monotone what I would love I would love <laughs> to just be a fly on the wall with Steve Perry being like whatever I quit the band good luck finding a replacement for Steve Perry. And then they just watched a couple of YouTube videos yeah. and they're like, this guy seems good. And he sounds exactly like him. Enter Arnell. <laughs> yeah. I love Arnell, man. He's Let's great. See. All right. Maybe journey's not that bad. I told you they've got five good songs. I'll say this separate ways rips. I have it. I have a, don't few- stop leaving. It may be very popular. Maybe played out, but it is a good, it song. is a great song. It's yeah. a beautiful song. Yep. I have a feeling that you would you would have a very similar experience to me if you ever go and see a Journey cover band that I had when I saw the Eagles cover band where I was like, I fucking hate the Eagles. I always hate the Eagles. Well, but, hey, then, man. but then the cover band was opening up for the ELO cover band and every single song they played, I was like, oh, yeah, I like this song. Physical media. I like this song, too. Physical media reigns supreme, man. I am a proud owner of a Journey Greatest Hits featuring Arnel Pineda. Yeah. And I, so I know the songs. I know Wheel in the Sky. Yeah. It keeps on turning. You'll get into it. Uh, I there, But a couple of their songs, really popular ones, I think are just awful. I hate them. Like, Any Way You Want It cannot stand that song. Well, I mean, that's a novelty she at loves this to point. Love. She loves it's, it. But, was in Caddyshack, for Christ's sake. It's just not. A, there's good novelty and there's bad novelty. And this one falls on the bad side. Yeah. Of me. I just, I don't like the song. And that, when it, when you hear a Journey song on the radio, it's like 40% of the time it's Don't Stop Believing. 40% of the time it's Any Way You right. Want It. Right, and then the other stuff's mixed in. Here you go. Here's the, here's the test. Who do you rank higher, Journey or Boston? Boston. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> when I was trying to pick Glonecast Recommends for this episode. Boston fucking rules, Yes. Dude. Now, last episode, you had referenced multiple times about how I'll just kind of like quiet the room and I'll be like, no, listen to this guitar solo. <laughs> I was listening to Boston more than a feeling. and I, <laughs> It's so great. The third time they come into the, you know, I close my eyes and she slipped away the last one the last time around the guitarist adds in an extra note into his riff and it i swear i think it's one of the fucking greatest little (laughs) it's one of the greatest little just additions to a perfect song it's so that's how it usually goes apparently but then he goes oh we got time we got time i'll plug it in Well, I got a whole week. I'm well, going to be bored next week. I got to edit stuff. Apparently, Boston, too. That's just one dude that played every single part like in his basement. I don't and think then so. once they picked up 
once they signed him, they were like, you got to find a band. Oh, you're talking about the new lead singer. No, Boston. Like, the like original stuff was just him doing everything. And they were like, yeah, oh, no, we'll sign a- you, but you need a band. So okay. find people to play those parts. Here we go. It's a great song. You're playing this on Guitar Hero? This episode's nuts. All right. Or I'm just going to go to the park. All right. Do, do. Right here. The extra one. Oh! <laughs> Let's go! Let's fucking go! This is a perfect song. It's great. Easily top ten. And fade. Okay. <laughs> but that, that extra note the guitarist adds in there? I mean, that dude. Oh! It was probably just a mistake, too. He probably, like, moved his finger too quickly and just oh. did a hammer on no. And they're like, well, just leave that Nothing in. Nothing that perfect was not intended. <laughs> when Van Gogh sat down in front of a fucking, just a blank canvas, do you think that, when he, what he made, do you think that was unintentional? A flub? No. He knew he was making something good. And I don't know that guitarist's name. Probably should look it up one of these days. But oh my, oh my. That's we'll a get perfect there. little thing. Um, yeah, so we got a... Uh, <laughs> which song do you want for uh, Lexus? <laughs> <laughs> my vote is for Journey Lights. That's my, that's my vote. That's not the option. City by the Bay. <laughs> We're right back to where it started. Okay, fine. We'll leave it Have up to Lexus. Have you listened to no. Journey? We'll leave it up to Lexus. Yeah. Lexus can choose. Lexus will let us know. So, um, Or... You don't want any so of those three. You, to pick you can pick any pump. fucking song you want, really. Um, yeah, but we really like that Carla Bruni. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. that song the other day. <laughs> Ooh. Okay, but let's read the card. Um, so you got a birthday card, and I got a birthday card. Dear Tom, happy birthday. I hope you like the card and the snick- stickers. I do. Um, getting to know you through the pod and social media has been a great pleasure, and I hope to continue our friendship. If you ever find yourself in the Bay Area or make it to Disneyland, please, please hit me up. Clone Castanova is taking over Disneyland would be epic. Yes, indeed. That would uh-huh. be fun. Anyways, I hope you have a wonderful, wonderfully low-key birthday, as I know you're not a birthday person. I'm, yeah. <laughs> and this next year treats you well. Sincerely, Lexus, a.k.a. Force Priestess, a.k.a. Bay Area Clone Castanova. Down by the bay, down by the bay. Uh, have you ever seen a Clone Castanova? Booking a flight to Moldova down by the bay. Okay. Um, P.S. Don't forget to add Ghost of Tsushima to your game list. I just finished my playthrough, and I think you and Adam will both really like it. I've heard. I have heard wonderful things about that game. Yeah, that's one of the ones that's coming up. Um, I'm I don't know. I'm about 120 hours into Zelda right now. Oh, but thank you, Lexus. That was awesome. It's fucking, you know. I get very excited. The fact that I we love, both I got... love hearing from all the clone Casanovas. It really does make my day. So thank you for the birthday wishes. The fact that we both got, you know, I show up here once a week. I talk into a microphone. But the fact that we both got physical birthday cards from someone that listens to us once a week is insane to me. Yeah. I feel so lucky that that actually happened. We've gotten Christmas cards. and I it's nuts. I mean, it's... Uh... Yeah, it's really incredible. Yeah. Um, so thank you, Lexus. That's awesome. And I definitely, if we're ever in South California or Northern California. Oh, we'll let you know. Yeah. It'll be a fiesta. <laughs> um, 
And we can sing Down by the Bay, Down by the Bay. How much do you think? I could get my guitar on a plane, right? Sure. You got to check it. I got to check it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I trust those. You got a hard case? Yeah, I got a hard case. Yeah, I got the hard shell. You're good. Should I bring out the acoustic or should I bring the uh, should I bring the semi hollow? Oh, you got to do the acoustic. Yeah, yeah. I want to do one of those. Um, we need to get a really nice camera, and I'll go down by the bay and sing down by the bay. Yeah, and then maybe we can recruit some people from other areas that have bays. Maybe somebody in Florida could do Tampa Bay, and then we'll do those songs for a change thing where we just cut in between. Up in Canada, Hudson? yeah, we will get somebody up in Canada, the Thunder hu- Bay, yeah. Thunder Bay, Hudson Bay, yeah. So I have all these Bay people all doing a cover of Down by the Bay. We'll mix it all together. We'll cut to various locations, and we'll raise money for uh, a charity of our choice. Do you really want to go to Tampa? Yeah, I got a feeling like the guy in Tampa would probably be like, now I want to know all about this organization you're going to be donating money to. You know, it's... But... No, but, you know, uh, have you seen those things, though, where it's like they got people in different locations yeah. and they're playing songs for change or something yeah, like that? Yeah, it's very cool. Yeah, we're going to make one. We're going to make our own. We'll submit it to them, and they'll definitely be like, that's incredible. We have to upload this. So, Anyways. Um, so, yeah, that was great to hear from Lexus. Uh, let's see. what. Oh, I want you to apologize to somebody quick. So. Uh-oh. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. Ah. So sorry. Ah. Please accept my. So we may have avoided the curse. It's only been a day and a half. I say a lot of wrong things. So, well, uh, this is just an apology to the Brass Rail. Oh, okay. It is a gay strip club. It is okay. Yes. Then I definitely was at Augie's. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Um, but that is um, straight from uh, I think it was Gary M and Bonds, or it was the client on the Discord. Okay. And then they also mentioned uh, the saloon. In downtown Minneapolis. Which is a gay nightclub. It's a gay nightclub, but they also have these, like, shower things. Yeah. I haven't been in the saloon. I've never been in the saloon either. But I've heard about these, like, shower things that they have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's more of a nightclub than a strip club, I think. Correct. Yeah. From my understanding. But the shower things have, like, dancers in them, I think. And then there's the lamp lighter on the east side of St. Paul. And that thing is a fucking wild west. I have no fucking idea what's going on there. Have you gone to the lamplighter? No, uh-uh. You haven't? No. Oh, I've gone to the lamplighter. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. What's the lamplighter like? Okay, so... <laughs> the lamplighter is... St. Paul doesn't have many gentlemen's clubs. No. There's the one by your old place, but that's Invergrove Heights. That's a suburb of St. Paul. That's not St. Paul, yeah. It's a suburb of St. Paul. It's border St. Paul. Um, But then there's... um. There's the lamplighter. I think it's the only one in St. Paul. I think I so. Think of. Yeah. I don't know if there's some like strict ordinances or anything or why. Yeah. But all the all the gentlemen's clubs are in Minneapolis, and there's plenty to make up for the lack of them in St. Paul. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Fucking fall and land. They're all within like a five block radius of each other. Yeah, too. but there's like fifty. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's the red light district, man. Um, but yeah, so St. Paul has one called the lamplighter. It's not even downtown St. Paul. It's on the east side of St. Paul. Near Roseville. It's on what? Maryland and... Or is it Larpenter? Larpenter and Maryland. Larpenter and... Larpenter and Snelling. No, Larpenter and... Um, uh, this really uh, doesn't matter. Yeah. We'll edit this out. <laughs> it's on Larpenter. It's on Larpenter. I know that. And it's in like a strip mall. And it's... When you go in there, so it... It's not a terrible... Like, the east side is a little rough, but it's not an awful, awful part of town. But right. the dancers... Uh, the stage there is, I don't know if it's still like this. I have not been there in 10 to 
15 years. But the dancers, the stage, they actually were behind glass. Ah. They're behind this big glass thing, and they come out and they dance in the glass. And you, there's like... <laughs> It's like going to see a bank teller. You're like slip money under there. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Um, now, the lap dances are just normal lap dances. Um, but it's really this like small hole in the wall, just kind of just dive bar, man. But yep. yeah, so it's it's the only gentleman's club. And but yeah, I've had I've been there. <laughs> How many times? Just the one time? Five. Because that was cl- that's the closest gentleman's club to. Your old townhouse in Oakdale, right? I had quite an adventure there one time with um, an ex-girlfriend. Um, this was like, this was after the Minnesota Vikings Dallas Cowboys divisional playoff game in 2009, the Farve year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We went in. That's the next week we went and lost at New Orleans, and I was horribly depressed. But uh, we destroyed the Cowboys, and we were at Jerseys and Woodbury. Remember Jerseys? I thought that was on Concord and Inver Grove. And that throwbacks. Oh wait, no. Jerseys is in is on Concord. Throwbacks is the one I was at. Yes. That's Woodbury. Okay. It's like a Cowboy Jacks now. Got it. Okay. But yeah, we were there watching the game and like it was quite a raucous atmosphere. There were some Cowboy fans there that we had fun with and yeah, but it would Vikes killed them. But we were all loaded up. And we're like, well, let's go to the Lamplighter. So we catch a <laughs> a big group of us catch a cab and go to the Lamplighter and um Rice Street was the one that I was thinking of. So yeah. it's on Larpender and Rice Street. Yeah, so we went there and we had a great time. It was fun. Um, it, yeah, <laughs> you're leaving to get at that. I don't know, dude. I mean, it's a, it's not bad. So my my ex and I went out. We had a cigarette. and We decided to have sex in the alley. I, okay, <laughs> behind the lamp. That's lighter. not bad. Why are you trying to hide that? We're having sex behind the lamp lighter. That's <sighs> who hasn't had sex behind the lamp lighter. You haven't even been there. I'm editing that out. I don't want. I don't. Yeah, that's what I remember about that place. I was very drunk. Maybe we should go back. We're gonna do a tour of Twin City strip clubs. What if we show up at the Lamplighter and they're like, "There he is, <laughs> officers! There he is!" I get arrested for public indecency 15 years later. <laughs> That would be really fun. That would be fantastic. Yeah. Then I'll believe in a deep state yeah. at that point. Like, oh, darn, dirty That's dog. always like, I always was fascinated by when they would like corner teenagers and be like, you're banned from the Mall of America for life. You can never walk in here again. It's like, how the fuck are you going to enforce that? Yeah, I really am. I've always been curious about the banning people from yeah. somewhere. It's like. Are you going to have my picture every fucking five square feet? I don't like. Like, how does this work? Even gas stations with people that write bounced checks only have so much room to tape them <laughs> on like the side of the register. Yeah. And then on top of that, not only does the person have to be aware of who they're looking for, they have to have the intuition that when they accidentally glance at somebody like, hey, that's that person that from that picture I looked at three days ago. You <laughs> right. know, like, It's just it's not a I don't find it to be a plausible concept to ban somebody from, like, the Mall of America. Yeah, it's great. Like, how does that fucking work? Yeah. You can't enforce that. Like, you might catch them and kick them out, but good luck telling them to never come back. Right. Yeah. (laughs) That's one of those mysteries, man. These are the things I think about. This is why I'm not a a great thinker, because these are the things I think about. You know when I was at your house the other day, and I brought up, like, how dogs their intuition they know that like a dog that doesn't even look like a dog is a dog uh-huh. but 
But when it's, you know, but versus if it's like, a coyote versus, versus like a coyote, a which a coyote looks more like my dog. Right. Than a fucking little poodle does or whatever, you know, like a little Shih Tzu or a little Chihuahua. But my dog sees a Chihuahua, just gets excited. You know, it's like, oh, a friend. My dog sees a coyote or a fox. It's just like it's it's bloody murder. Like Grawl City. Yeah. Grawl City ready to go to war. And I just find it odd. But I guess that's what millions of, well, excuse me, thousands of years of not evolution of God's creation will give you. You know, it's this intuition that we, through evolution, we could just never even comprehend some of the signals that, like, dogs and cats give off to each other. Just stuff we could never even comprehend. This may be the most off-the-rails episode we've ever done. Hey, we owe him one after I got really <laughs> sad last time. I edited the... By the way, Clonecast Novus, I actually cut like seven minutes off that podcast. <laughs> that is by far the most I have ever edited because there was plenty of times where I would just like sigh and I'd be like, this sucks. You know, and like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, I don't need that. I, I re-listened to it like unedited and I was like, I kind of fucking hate me right now. And then you had to listen, you had to edit me, out me going, oh God. <laughs> did you do that? I didn't I notice know. that. I don't think you did. You did a pretty good job. You were a trooper. I was trying. Yeah. No, it didn't turn out that bad. Though. Okay. I cut out most of it. <laughs> I don't know. I really went on on Al Borland during power rankings for some reason, <laughs> and I cut out like most of that because I was like, I fucking hate this guy. And I didn't have any reason for it just other than being in a bad mood. Right. And I just don't like the cut of his jib. <laughs> yep. I don't like that Al Borland Lobot. What segment are we on? <laughs> you know, the sad thing is. This just is... read the Force Priestess's birthday card. Yeah. But this is the thing. This is the kind of kick I was on last time. I was on fire, and I'm on fire again. Like, I'm just on all cylinders yeah. right now. You keep that phone fucking hidden. Exactly. <laughs> well, when we take a break and I pee, I'm going to check my phone. I hope there's nothing. No, more. no, no. The whole time. No, you, I want to check You're on it. dark. You're on dark mode the no. whole time. I'll check. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not expecting any sad messages. All right. Um, so, yeah, Force Priestess. Let us know which song you want. You can pick any random song. I don't care. Those are just some that I came up with and Adam's suggestion, which is terrible. You're not going to want that one. <laughs> but if you got a better one, you just let us know. Okay. Maybe some E-40. You know E-40? Yeah. He's a Bay Area rapper. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay. Um, should we get to the time warp? Because this is going really long. Yeah. I don't know. We could talk. Do we have anything else to talk about? I feel like well, we, we I feel like we can always talk about the other episode, but we did. I... Yeah. Let's just get to the time warp. Okay. Well... Well, you know, if we forgot something, maybe going back to it. When are we going to record again? Like two and a half and weeks? We'll edit this here. Yeah, let's get to the time warp. Why? <laughs> <laughs> let's just get to the time warp and we'll figure it out later. All right? Yep. All right. Yada da dot chibata bread. Okay, time warp time. Finally. Um, Twin Sons, Season 3, Episode 20. It is a big one. Aired on March 18th, 2017. Uh, it is still Ed Sheeran, Shape of You. That's your number one song in America. God, that was sweeping the nation. Yeah. I don't even think I could... I think I, I, I put it on. I was like, oh, yeah, I remember this. And then I immediately forgot what it was yeah. again. Like, I couldn't pick it out, you know. Yep. Um, But we do have a new number one movie in America. <laughs> Some um, dethroned Kong Skull Island. It had a strong week. All right. But it's gone. This one actually owns it for a bit here. So, no, uh, all right. 
this one might be one that we're going to be talking about further. Well, we'll mention it, and then we won't say anything else about it. But uh, starring Hermione Granger herself. Um, this... Ooh, is it The Ring with Tom Hanks? No. Oh, no. Uh, starring Emma Watson um, and a colorful cast of characters. It's a remake. Is it an animated picture? It was at one point. Oh, it's Beauty and the Beast. Yep. Beauty and the Beast is the number one movie in America, and it looks like it takes a stranglehold. No Kong Skull Island nipping at its heels. Oh, man. I didn't watch this. I didn't watch it. Did you? Really? Yeah. So I did watch it, not in the theaters, but I watched it later on. There is a song that is written specifically for the the, the new movie, movie, the new movie, the like live action. So there's one, a new original song that is unfucking believable. <laughs> it really is. It's incredible. What's it called? Um, I'm looking it up right now. Um, is this your new clone cast recommends? It might be. <laughs> it is so fucking good. The only teacup I recognize is Angela Lansbury. <laughs> Telling old as time. I love Beauty and the Beast. Uh, I, I, I'm a steadfast Aladdin Lion King guy. Oh, I love Beauty and the Beast. I don't know what it is. And Little Mermaid, like I recognize them as a, as a, as stalwarts in the Disney animated franchise, but, um, they have a couple songs that I really do enjoy some bops, but overall I think Aladdin and Lion King are my wheelhouse. Yeah. 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 For whatever reason, like I love both of those, but Beauty and the Beast when I was a little kid, I watched on a fucking loop. I loved See, Beauty and the Beast. It used to be one a year, a new animated Disney movie every year. So I think it was, I think it went Little Mermaid, right? And then the next year it was Beauty and the Beast, I think. I think 91 was Little Mermaid, 92 was Beauty and the Beast, 93 was Aladdin. Now, Little Mermaid was the one that like kicked it all off. That was the first, yeah, and then it started that. And then the 90- Disney Renaissance. Yeah, and that's like the big four, uh, you know, Little Mermaid. Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin in 93, and then Lion King in 94. And then I think in 95, was that Hunchback of Notre Dame? It might have been, but that's that was like the when it started to like go it down. It dipped a bit. Like, yeah. yeah, there was the big four, the four horsemen of the Disney yeah, yeah, apocalypse. Yeah. And then they continued the tradition every year of having like a musical animated but film. I don't original. understand why, because like Hunchback is fucking phenomenal, and, and it has Hercules, out there. Hercules is apparently pretty out strong. There, Hercules is amazing, and it has wonderful songs to yeah. it. Now it's more of Pixar that does the yearly tradition of a new film. Yeah, and those aren't musical based. They aren't. They're damn good though. Usually, oh, they are. Yeah, they're pretty good. You like that up? Up's great. You go up? Yeah. Yeah, I go up for up. They, were, they wrote a greater story in one minute. We should do a whole <laughs> episode a on uh, a... up for people. Yeah. Oh, that opening scene? Yeah. Oh, very sad. Um, the song that I'm I'm referencing is called Evermore. Evermore. And if Who you, sings it? If you're in the right mood, oh my yeah. goodness, it is a tearjerker. Now, Frozen Falls, I know Frozen is, uh, you know, computer animated but that is that fall under the current umbrella of the lineage of lion king beauty and the beast i mean i Aladdin? would consider it so yeah it's got some i, I love that let it go oh yeah oh. adina manzel G- no adiel nazim <laughs> <laughs> oh. it's one of the gr- it's one of the funniest clips i think that i have ever seen <laughs> 
singing Let It Go. From Ladies the and Frozen gentlemen, soundtrack. the wickedly talented Nadiel Dazim. <laughs> it's not even fucking close. Was the teleprompter <laughs> fucked up? Like, didn't somebody tell him going out there, like, yeah, it's a Dina Menzel? Like, didn't, did someone not tell him? And then did he, like, think he had the name down and then the teleprompter fucked up and he just, like, blurted something out? It's so funny. And we got time to edit. So you will hear that now. (laughs) Play it. Play it now. (laughs) We're having fun. Idina Menzel. Travolta. John Travolta. Yeah. <laughs> Is he bald? No, he's not. <laughs> oh, no. Idina Menzel's revenge on John Travolta at the Oscars. We have to watch that, too. Play it. Play, it, play it. All right. There will always be a special place in my heart for the movie musical <laughs> and for the songs that create their most memorable moments. Here to perform the Oscar-nominated, gorgeously empowering song, Let It Go, from the Oscar-winning animated movie, Frozen. He's Please nailing welcome it. the wickedly talented one and only Adele Dazim. <laughs> <laughs> He's doing so good. He's not even close. <laughs> Adele Dazim. <laughs> Listen to it again. Oh my god. There will always be a special place in my heart. This episode's off the rails. And for the songs that create their most memorable moments. (laughs) He's doing so good. That's what's so great. Gorgeously empowering song, (laughs) Let It Go, from the Oscar winning animated movie Frozen. Please welcome the wickedly talented one and only (laughs) Dazim. you to look at adina manzel's name spelled out <laughs> like, look at it as he says that and it's like how the fuck does he how does he come up with that hey you gotta give her credit she heard that as she's about to sing in front of a fucking Nadal and she apparently she nailed it uh that's so that's good I would like I could could you imagine just being super flustered oh my god it's so funny I mean you saw what Ashley Simpson did when they started her track a second Yeah, she late. did a jig. <laughs> it is a good jig. Um, and then she threw her band under the bus. <laughs> she just walked off stage. <laughs> the fuck was the guitarist? The guitarist kind of looks at No, but then at the end of the show, she threw her band under the bus. Oh. She goes. Exactly. I feel so bad my band started playing the wrong song. And I didn't know what to do, so I thought I'd do a hoedown. <laughs> I'm sorry. Ashley Simpson. No, you just suck at singing, yeah, yeah. and you got outed on live Well, air. everybody uses a backing vocal, too. Yeah, I'm not even saying she... Okay, well, I did say she sucks at singing, but she's. I'm sure she's like an above-average voice. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I don't think she sings as good as her sister. Um, remember Jessica? Yeah. Yeah. These boots are made for... Did she do that one? Their dad's an interesting cat, too. Joe Simpson. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, he was at uh, the Newlywed show with... Uh, 
uh, Drew, Nick Lachey and Nick Latchy. Nick Latchy. Um, his brother always came over too. Drew. Yeah. He's the little one. <laughs> He's the little Lachey. Um, I, the thing I loved about 98 Degrees and I don't know, you may have mentioned it before, but they had like the three really hunky dudes. They had the two Lachey brothers. And then they had, like, another hunky dude, and they all were, like, you know, like, your standard good-looking sure. guys. And then the fourth guy was just the, the goofy-looking tall guy with the bleach-blonde hair who looks like, like, he's not, who looks like his diet consists of, like, mainly Arby's roast beef sandwiches. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's just kind of a guy, right? He's just kind of this schlubby guy, and he's in this, like, boy band with these three hunks. Look at that! Every boy band had one of those dudes. Chris Kirkpatrick yeah, and yeah, Insync. Yeah, Insync yeah. um, had a couple, like Joey Fatone. <laughs> you know, I kind of feel like he's like they're they they're like well, he kind of looks like Ross Geller, so let's put him out there. You sure. know, uh, but yeah, they had two of them. Uh, then there was Lance Bass, Lance Bass, um, uh, and then you had J.C. Chazé. Yeah, remember him? And yeah, then of course, Justin Timberlake. Yep. All right, we did them. Now let's do uh, Backstreet Boys. We got to do the Holy Trinity here. <laughs> we got nothing. So we got their goofy guy was Howie. I think that would probably be their goofiest looking guy. No, maybe not Howie. Actually, we'd probably go with AJ. Okay. AJ was kind of a goofy looking guy. He he was the kind of uh, alt, alt rock looking guy. He had like the big, you know, like the gauge ears, you know, and all yeah, that yeah. stuff. And he had the cool sunglasses. Was he the bad boy? Yeah, I guess. And then, but then there was there was Howie, and he was kind of the uh, he had the slick back ponytail. Okay, and so that's why I kind of think he's kind of like their de facto, like you know, he's Joey like the art them. house. Yeah, he's like the art house coffee shop guy or something. You know, he's just like probably got a good voice. But then there was um, there was Brian Luttrell. Um, he's the one that he's um, he's a little bit shorter, but he's like the really cute one. Okay. Um, he's the really cute one. Um, and then there's two more. There's Nick Carter, who is the tall blonde one with That's the bowl right. cut. Uh, he was like all the rage in like seventh grade, eighth grade with the ladies. Uh, very jealous of him. And then there was also Kevin. Um, Kevin, who uh, was the other tall one. He was the one with the goatee and he had the brunette hair. That's right. Um, I identify most with Brian Luttrell out of all of them. I feel like Brian and I had a pretty good vibe. Okay. Uh, I enjoyed some of his riffs when he was singing. He had one of the better voices of everybody. Um, anyways, my ear itches for some reason. So anyway, uh, uh, what kicked us off on that is uh, Evermore is the title of the song in the live action Beauty of the Beast. That okay. is phenomenal. How long did I just talk about boy bands for? <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> and evermore from the Beauty and the Beast soundtrack is sung by Dan Stevens, yeah, oh, who, who voiced the Beast and uh, is well known for his role in Downton Abbey as Matthew Crowley. I've never watched Downton Abbey. Have you? Oh yeah, really? It's a soap opera. But is it I PBS? Got, that's on? I got sucked into it. Is it on PBS? Yeah. Is it one of those things where there's just thirty seasons? No, 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 no. I think it's. Or is it more of like a British series they where kept it's where tight. it's like like I think it's like it started to get repetitive, but I think they capped it. They at called like seasons five. or they called series. I think it was like series. Yeah, because series in in the in Great Britain they say series, not seasons. Yes, yeah. but typically yeah. British shows got it right because they'll do like three great series or seasons, and then they like just end it. Yeah, but that was one show that like I think when the season four came out or season five came out. That's when I like 
it coincided with me starting to smoke weed. So I would just get fucking ripped and watch Downton Abbey. And I just got really <laughs> into it. It reminds me of Major League Two. You ever see that movie? No. Uh, okay, so in Major League Two, the manager, Lou, he has a heart attack. Like, they, they just... Horribly disappointing team. He yells at them, like, when shit just has finally hit the fan. And he has a heart attack in the clubhouse. He survives, and they tell him, you know, you can't... You gotta step away from the game for the rest of the season. Like, you have to take a rest. So, he takes a rest. Uh, and Jake Taylor, former catcher, takes over managing. Reluctantly. I know too much about this movie. Um, but, so... <laughs> Lou has to go in for like, <clears throat> but they, they make a comeback and, you know, Lou, though, ends up having to go in for another, uh, like a get a stent put in or something, you know, follow up. And this is angioplasty. Yeah, he's having like a routine procedure, but they got to check him in and they tell him no baseball. And it's in the night of game seven of the American League Championship Series and he can't even watch because they said no baseball. You can't be listening to baseball. And he, he's Jake's dropping him off. Jake and Roger dropping him off at the hospital. And he goes, yeah, they told me I couldn't watch the game. But I tricked them. I got a little transistor radio here. So he goes in and he's, he's, you know, they got him in the gown and everything. And the game's going on. They keep cutting to him throughout the game as, like, the game gets tense and stuff. And he's got his little transistor radio in. But on the TV, he's watching a British drama. <laughs> <laughs> and it's kind of like a Downton Abbey, like, just as yeah. British, you know, soap. And, um, you know, he gets depressed. And then, but when they finally fucking, when they win the walk-off, he starts jumping up and down on the bed. Like Downton Abbey, if you started watching it, yeah, you you would like Major League Two. You would dig Major League Two, starring the one and only Charlie Sheen <laughs> yes. as Rick Wild Thing Vaughn. You ever see Major League One? Yeah, a long time ago. Did you see two? I haven't seen two. I saw one like forever ago because they used to play it on Comedy Central. All okay, the time. you have to see two. Sincerely, you have to see two because Randy Quaid delivers the performance of a lifetime as the drunken bleacher bum. All right. Oh, oh, no! Get out of here. You rotten bums! You overpaid weenies! My whole thing! You make my butt sting! I detest you! You're all garbage! I love you! Back up the truck! Back it up! Hey, I told ya. <laughs> Bring out the tarp. Cover the field. I can't watch this anymore. It's over. Turn the lights out. Let's get the bulldozers in here and turn this place into a parking lot. He's hilarious, man. Anyways, let's get to Clonecast Recommends. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, uh, do you want to do your song first? Do you want to do my song first? It's up to you. I don't care. Man, I'm sorry, guys. I'm doing it again. Um, <laughs> I'll do my song. Uh, I don't know why I was struggling to think of a song, and I thought of this song. I haven't listened to it in about five years, and then I was just like, oh, that's a good one. Um, it was off the FIFA 2002 soundtrack, and I used to love listening to it on the title screen. This is The Gorillas. Uh, this is 19-2000, and it's the Soul Child remix. you got to listen to the Soul Child remix. If you listen to the other one, it's not as good. So, you ready for it? Yep. I want to play FIFA 2002 now. That's a fun game. I want to become a soccer guy. I want to be one of those American soccer boys that goes <laughs> yeah. to like Brit's pub at 4 a.m. Yeah. yeah. Oi! You know? The world is spinning too fast. I'm fine. 
It's a good song. It's a very catchy song. Got the cool shoes. The gorillas. The gorillas are underrated, man. They got some. They got, they got some flippers. Yeah. They got like five songs that I really dig. Yeah. They're better than Journey. I'll give that to them. All right. Oh, it is a good one. Anyways, yeah, I just like it. I think it's a catchy song. Um, the chorus picks up and they start talking about a cool. Oh, wait till the gal comes in. It gets very exciting. Right here. There it is. Saint Barnabas. Saint Barnabas. Saint Barnabas. Okay, so yeah, that's 19 2000 Soul Child remix. Um, you get the point. I don't know why I thought of it. Today. Yeah, it's a good song. I'll probably listen to it a hundred times, and then I won't listen to it for ten years. <laughs> That's the way it goes. That's the way it goes. What do you want to say about your song? All right, my song, uh, I think I brought up a few weeks ago, I discovered a new genre of music that I don't think you share the, the same affinity for that I do, uh, but the genre is called city pop. Oh, I thought it was going to be shoegaze. <laughs> no, city pop, which is like Japanese 80s funk music. All right. And for whatever reason, I found this song. Someone had this as like a backing song on a video I saw online somewhere, and it is fucking incredible. So, was the artist? Uh, it is uh, Tetsuro Yamashita. Okay. So Tetsuro Yamashita, and what's the name of the song? Again? Sparkle. Sparkle. Okay. Do you think the... What year is this from? 1982. Okay. I can feel like the Earth, Wind, and Fire vibe. Goddamn right you can. Yeah. Oh, anything with horns like that? I like the bass. I kind of dig this. This is more Earth, Wind, and Fire and less Chicago, so I kind of like this. I still don't understand your hatred of Chicago. They suck. <laughs> Yeah. See, this is good. This is great. Yeah. This guy's having a great time. Has he got any other ones? Oh! oh. Here it comes. Ooh. Oh, it's funky. They play this down at St. Barnabas. All right, it's good. I dig it. It's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't think it's going to get a thousand plays for me, but, no. I, you know. No, I mean, this This is, um, yeah, this is the kind of horns that I like. Apparently, like, city pop, like the Japanese music, the their record labels have, a, like, a tighter seal on yeah. them than labels do in America. So, like, that's not on Spotify. The only place I can find it is on YouTube. With, like, weird bootlegs and stuff. You're going to have to sign up for YouTube Premium. It's great. Yeah. yeah. Manually load them into your phone. Get the hard file, save it off YouTube, put it up there. Yeah. Yeah. You just find some website that'll do it for me. Yeah. 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 You got to save those. It's great. You never know if YouTube, if they drop off there, then you're uh -huh. really out of luck. You got to yep. store these. You got to plan ahead. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
Um, and then we'll burn it on a CD with four <laughs> other tracks. It'll be that song. It'll be that song. It'll be the moon from the DuckTales soundtrack yeah. on NES. It'll be a Mega Man song. Uh, it'll probably be me talking about some sort of like a warehouse sale or something where I'm doing some bit about something where it's like, We're, the sale's on fire. You know, like, <laughs> those weird Tom CDs from back in the day. Oh, yeah. Yep. Any, anyways, um, yeah, I don't know that. do we got anything else? We're going to get this episode. Let's do it. Should we get into the episode? Yep. Listen to the Chromecast on Wednesdays. That's what you sing love. Yeah, blast. Because they say whatever they think. All right. Um, how are we doing? Twin Sons. Twin Sons. It's we a were, big one. We were, Yeah, it is. We've spent a fair amount of our time bullshitting and <laughs> yeah. really not preparing for an episode of this magnitude. We're treating this like it's a droid episode. Yeah. Anyways, um, yeah. Have you ever seen Babu Frick sucking his dick? Down by the bay, down by the bay. You gotta think of one. It's coming. It's coming. For if I do, my mother will say, go. Have you ever seen Maul crawling along? Have you ever seen Maul stuck in a stall? Down by the bay, right. down by the bay. There we'll see go. if that sticks around past this week. Um, probably, not. probably not. No. Okay, twin sons. So we start off. Let's get right into it. We start off, and Maul is wandering the desert. It's just like a cold open. You see a shot of an endless desert. Before we get into the episode. Yeah. Are you... So I know, like, since we started this podcast, you've seen spoilers. I'm sure you saw that Obi-Wan and Maul eventually have a showdown. Yeah. Were you aware? How much of that were you aware of before watching the episode? I knew what happens. I knew it was short. But you never looked up the actual duel or anything like that? Okay. through information I picked up, I knew it was like a concise quick fight okay um i i don't know i think it was a tweet like this was actually perfect fight it was quick but blah blah, blah something it is and, one of those but things... and i was just like oh okay well there's that because and... it took me forever to watch i think the last because i watched season one and two of rebels as it aired but then i like there was a big enough gap between season two and season three that i was like i just lost it and i didn't yeah. catch up so i didn't watch the last seasons until like way later on so i knew that this was happening but i purposefully anytime i saw anything about it online i purposely was like i'm not watching it until i can actually get to that point in the series okay yeah i mean it's um i don't know it was still i don't know I obviously I knew it would happen, but I don't think it took away from it. I thought it was really well done. Oh no no no! We'll I'll talk about it. It's like, fucking it's cool. Amazing. Yeah. Um. So I I did pull just the clip of Maul wandering in the desert. He's kind of like Maul has gone in and out of Sanity. how many yeah how many marbles <laughs> he's got. Um. You know when we first ran into Maul again, brothers in uh, season four of Clone Wars. That's when Savage Press went to the junk planet with the poor snake Morley. <laughs> <laughs> There's a Tim Robinson character named Morley. It's in Netflix, The Characters. If you're an I Think You Should Leave fan and you haven't watched Tim Robinson's episode of The Characters, you have to watch it because it's like a bonus episode of I Think You Should Leave. 
but there's a character morally and anytime i think of the snake morally i see his fucking character they're nothing alike i just but but yeah so that's when he was at his worst he was he was there but he wasn't even like he had no control he was just scatterbrained that's when he was half mechanical spider he was half mechanical spider and his entire brain it was just shooting off random impulses yeah. yeah he just you know one place to the other just talking to himself not making any sense when savage found him mother talzin restored his mind gave him some nifty legs they were very greedy. he seemed like to got first. like even exponential exponentially more sane after that too well she took a lot of the remember they did the whole ritual yeah, yeah, of, yeah. remember when when savage landed on dothermir maul was like hiding in the corner of the cargo yep. bay of that ship like a scared like a scared dog at a pound yeah. or something like he was just gone yep um, yeah, so they restore him. They actually let him with a fucking spirit ball. Remember yeah, that's that? Right, they yeah. let him into yep. the caves. <laughs> He's like Gollum chasing yep. the ring. Um, but yeah, it, but where we're at now with him here, and I, that's kind of why I kept this clip, and this is where I'm going with this. I, he's starting to lose it again. We've seen him kind of gather himself enough to like start a crime syndicate. Uh-huh. But I don't know. He's had a hard run of luck ever since Mandalore. But it's it's because he does kind of revert back to it a little bit when Palpatine kicks the shit out of him and kills Savage, too. Yes. When he's, like, begging for mercy. Yes. And I think trying to tempt Ezra gave him some purpose for yeah, a yeah. while. Yeah, um, And then, but as he's chasing his old demons, he just reverts back to yeah. it, it seems. It's like Kenobi... As he's getting closer and closer to Kenobi, he gets further and further away from whatever semblance of self he had developed in the last how many years? Yeah. You know? Yep. Um, so you'll hear it in this clip. He's by himself in the deserts of Tatooine, and he's just kind of talking to himself. Let's listen. Lost. I am lost. And yet... I can feel his presence so close, so close. I can see him in my mind's eye. Kenobi. Kenobi! end here like this good zoom in on his gloves he's got cool gloves he's got cool gloves no. I must draw Kenobi out tempt his noble heart but how how take Barnabas <laughs> give him the old St. Barnabas treatment I know. I know. Just a cold open then, too. Just Star Wars Rebels. Yep. The title screen hits. Very well done opening scene. Right away, you know this is a this is an episode of different proportions. Yeah. Um, although the last episode did include the greatest scene in Star Wars history. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. 
Yeah. But this one... That's kind of what the Nadil Dazim is like. <laughs> because you've got... <laughs> You've got Travolta firing on all cylinders, and then he says, the wickedly talented, and he hits it. He hits it so confidently and hard, and it's just like it's just like AP5, like, grasping. He's like, okay, actually, this is fine. This is fine. This is good. I'm, I'm comfortable, and then all of a sudden, boom. It's like it's like an Olympic gymnast doing the perfect set, but then on the dismount, they just do a belly flop. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's what it is. Just it's just like yeah. completely biffs it, not yeah. even close. Just just perfect on the uneven bars. Just like the greatest <laughs> the greatest fucking routine of all time, and then. Just all of a sudden, just, just a crumpled mess. The wickedly talented one and only Adel Dazim. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. We were talking off air about how I think I'm turning into a supervillain because <laughs> I'll just be sitting by myself. And I'll think of something funny, and I'll just laugh like that, just maniacally. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, and this this one is going to give me a run. I'm going to be thinking about this. Please welcome the wickedly talented one and only Adele Dazim. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be sitting at work tomorrow in just like a quiet moment, then all of a sudden I'll be like, <laughs> Take Barnabas! Okay. Did you ever see Wicked? Uh, no. Oh, it's a good one. She plays Wicked? Yeah, well, Adina Menzel, or the N- Wicked Witch of the West, N- Nadine, or is she Nazine. the Wicked Witch of the East, the, the Wicked Witch of the West. That's the that's the green one. Yes, right. Yeah. Um, do they do Follow the Yellow Brick Road? They don't do that exact song, but oh. there's references. Do they do Somewhere Over the Rainbow? No, it's not an ex- it's not a it's not a stage production of The Wizard of Oz. It's a story before the wizard of oz yeah but you can plug those in <laughs> that's somewhere over the rainbow you get that guy with the ukulele to sing it yeah is 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 <laughs> yeah how's he doing these days <laughs> the biggest guy on the planet playing the smallest guitar on the planet yeah that guy's got a voice man oh yeah i'm a big is guy that was great you big on is i love is <laughs> got to is although even though he got canceled it's a great cover clapton's version of somewhere over the rainbow oh did he get canceled really well i mean he's kind he's of just a, a dick kind of an idiot yeah yeah the, see he he has the good fortune though of being racist when like 1975 well, no, he's a big anti-vaxxer that was the thing that i like, thought his really... big thing was that he was just like against the lockdowns well i think it was both it was him and um van morrison i think <laughs> yeah. yeah like those two assholes can have their little fucking they can have their little yeah. party. That's fine. I don't like Van Morrison, man. I, I know love you his do. music. I, I don't like him. Yeah. He's got like one good song. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know that one? Uh, uh, I don't know what it's called. <laughs> Domino? Now, I do like Domino. That's a big one. Oh, Domino. <laughs> okay, that's a good one. That's a good one. I don't like Brown Eyed Girl that much, to be honest. No, that one sucks. And it's his biggest hit. Anyways. um, No, I had a thought. What was the other thing I was saying? Why don't we get in get Eric Clapton? <laughs> How do we get somewhere it? over the rainbow? Oh, that's yeah, what yeah, led yeah, us yeah, there. Yeah. Um, somewhere over the rainbow. I don't remember. Talking oh, about- wicked. Oh, what I you said? Oh, even though he's canceled. And at first, I thought you were talking about is. Oh, <laughs> and I'm like, is got canceled? What it is? What no, it is? Dude. Heart disease took him long before. <laughs> 
long before social justice warriors could. <laughs> okay, that's getting cut out. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's no, that's staying in there. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, man. We we got rid of the curse. We don't want to. We don't want to tempt them. <laughs> He's already dead. What yeah, are we gonna I know, do? but we we can't we can't speak ill of the dead. <laughs> Someone's gonna get cursed. Isn't that how that works? Yeah. That's the science behind it, right? Yeah. That Jimmy Carter, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one I thought of. I was like, if we mentioned... I, I could have swore like six months ago. Everybody was like writing his fucking obituary. He was like in hospice. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, oh, he's actually going home to be with his family now. I swear, was that not like he was months and months die. ago? Like everybody, like I guarantee every news channel already has their segments completely fleshed out. Yeah. They're just waiting for his heart to stop. Yeah. Like the first person you're going to see on CNN is Don Lemon and he doesn't even work there anymore because <laughs> they filmed it months. But when was that? I swear that was months ago. It was ago. like six months ago. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not on Twitter, but I think he's still going. I think he's I back building houses. <laughs> he's been pounding the same nail for four months, but they flew in some fresh adrenochrome for him, shot him up. Jimmy Carter's acting like it's 1985 all yeah, over again. He ate a one-year-old spinal cord. <laughs> he bounced back real quick. <laughs> Please welcome the wickedly talented <laughs> one and only Adele Dazeem. Down by the bay, down by the bay. Yep, yeah, I'm thinking of one, I'm thinking of one. Yeah. Back to my home, I dare not go, for if I do, my mother will say. Have you ever seen Adil Dazim eating with cream down by the bay, down by the Please bay? Welcome the wickedly. Okay, let's move on. Um, so Maul's going. He's starting to lose his marbles again. Yeah. Um, he's getting a little unhinged. Yeah. So we get over to Adelon base, and it's a sunny, beautiful day in Adelon. Adelon's looking hot, man. They're looking good. They got the ships look cool. They got some cool paint jobs going on. The rebel ships there at Phoenix Squadron. Um, so we're on Adelon base, though, and we actually go into the ghost, and we see Ezra in his bunk. He's in his bunk. Zeb's down low, snoozing away. Oh, yeah. Big snores from Zeb. Zeb needs a CPAP. Apparently, he has a deviated septum, because he is <laughs> not getting the, the, the right amount yeah. of oxygen. Yeah, he definitely has to go in for a sleep study. Yeah. Zeb is just a character all around, man. I mean, he's <laughs> yeah. just a wild character. But yeah, he's snoring really hard. The other funny thing... As, Zeb literally is, I think he's an eight-year-old with sleep apnea. The other funny thing, Ezra, full set of pajamas. Zeb, normal clothes. Yeah. <laughs> Ezra literally has pajamas from 1960s Sears catalog. What's nuts is they made a point when we were when we were in the POV of Callus. he is woken up by the alarm, and he is in his full armor yeah. while he's sleeping. And I in the Rebels Recon, Dave Filoni mentions like we didn't we didn't want to like animate a whole set of pajamas, so we just let them wake up in that. But then like a few episodes later, they're like, "We'll give Ezra pajamas." Yeah, I don't. I think I can just tell based on like the way this episode turned out. Like they gave a lot of shits about this particular episode. Yes. I think. Um. But no, it is funny. I don't know. It's probably just, you know, Callus goes to the Fen Rao School of Thought. He's from the Fen Rao School of Philosophy, whereas Ezra is from the 
you know Count Dooku the Count Dooku school of philosophy yeah. that's that's the two Star Wars philosophies that's the conflicting ideas <laughs> yeah. you know the two yeah the the two sleepwear ideals yes. in Star Wars yeah I would say that's definitely like um Count Dooku is definitely like Nietzsche's Ubermensch or whatever like the silkiest of pajamas yeah. just the, the the enlightened man uh-huh and then you have you have uh, somebody like Fen Rao who wears his speedo spandex at all times, and he's just he's the everyman. He's got to be ready to go. He's the everyman. Man. Yeah, he's the guy that makes society go, baby. He'll you know? sleep on dirt. He don't yeah. care. <laughs> he sleeps on dirt. <laughs> you go check in on Fen Rao. He's just laying in the dirt outside of House Ren <laughs> with his head sock yeah. on. I just asked them for a patch of dirt. They set me up real nice. <laughs> oh man, I can't wait to see Fen Rao again. That guy, <laughs> that guy, man. I'm really curious if we get full spandex through the entire show. I'll be proud if they if they commit to that bit. If they go Bart Simpson on it, or just <laughs> the same fucking thing all the time. I would love that. Okay. Um, so he overhears, he he wakes up, he comes to, and Ezra gets out his bunk, and he's kind of overhearing the distress signal. And the distress signal we're hearing, it's breaking up, but it's Kenobi's distress signal post-Order 66, the one he sent out with uh, Yoda when they went back to the temple and killed probably, I don't know, a thousand clone troopers. <laughs> <laughs> That scene is hilarious, dude. Well, you have to juxtapose it next to Ahsoka refusing to cut yeah. down one clone trooper. And at exactly the same moment, Yoda, Yoda is throwing, throwing his lightsaber into his chest. <laughs> Literally, one of the most badass moves in all of Star Wars yeah. is Yoda chucking his little mini lightsaber into a guy's chest. And then he climbs him to yeah. grab it back. <laughs> Yoda's a killing machine, man. It's <laughs> hilarious. Um, but yeah, so um, it's Kenobi's message, and it's playing. It's breaking up. It's in Kanan's room. We see Ezra. Kanan's room is locked, so he uses the force to force the door open. And they get a zoom in on Ezra's hands, and I'm once again reminded of the weird-looking appendages on characters in this show. It looks like a Muppet's hand. Yeah. It's very... It looks like felt. Yeah, it looks like felt. And it's got, you know, you can see like, it almost looks like fabric. You know, it's very, I like the art style in this episode, but when you get in on the appendages, sometimes it kind of takes me out of it. And I'm just kind of like, whoa, that's weird. Well, it's weird because I watched this episode and then right after I watched Brothers, the Clone Wars episode, because it was recommended that we watch Brothers. Depressed Kenobi recommended that. So, um, and I was like, watching them back to back. I was, like, thrown by just how different the animation styles are. They are, yeah. Um, and we'll talk about Kenobi's critter in this episode, and that one really threw me for a loop because it's an interesting-looking critter. It's one we've seen before, uh-huh. but it's in rebel style, so it's it's a different vibe. I thought it was... I actually thought it was Blurg for half a second. I was like, wait, is that a Blurg? Oh, it's not a Blurg. It's a, it's a do-back. We'll talk about it, though. Um, yeah, so he goes into Kanan's room. The message is playing... And also there is the holocron. So there's these holocrons. They have a Jedi one and they have the Sith one, as we know. Um, And the Sith holocron activates and you start hearing Maul's voice. And he's saying like Kenobi, he's, you know, and and Ezra can hear him. It's at this point that Kanan shows up and he's like, what's going on? And Ezra's just like, Maul is back. Um, So looks like it's uh, the next later that night i guess i don't know when it was but um it's the phoenix squadron it's all the head honchos for phoenix squadron rex is there we haven't seen rex in a while um 
Sato, Sato is there, Hair is there, and they're all kind of discussing what's going on here. Um, so it is going to be our next clip. So what do you think it means, Kanan? Uh, I couldn't really guess. Holocrons at times take on a life of their own, but as to what it means... It means Master Kenobi could be alive and in danger right now. Ezra, no one would like to believe General Kenobi's alive more than I would. I'd love to but see Senator Rexy. Organa confirmed his death. Maybe he was wrong. We yeah, know Maul went looking for Master liar. Kenobi. This could be a sign that he's Who closing in on it. Or it could just be a broken recording. That doesn't explain why I heard Maul's voice. But you've heard it before. You've heard it before and it was just a trick. Maul was manipulating you. I want to go to Tatooine to check things out. Ezra, can I have a word with you? Take Barnabas! We're training for the attack on Lothal. And nobody knows that place better than you. I need you to help us prepare if we're going to be successful. But Hera, if Master Kenobi is alive, think of what he could do for the Rebellion. If he was alive, do you think he would be hiding on some backwater world instead of helping us? Oh, my man has high purpose. I really do. But right now, I need you here. There's too much at stake for Lothal and for us. You know I want to help Lethal more than anyone. I know. Okay. So it appears to have... Uh, the little discussion with her appears to have uh, satiated Ezra's desire and he's going to step away from his it, little... It would appear that way. Very quickly we find out that is not the case. Right. Also, but that little dialogue from Hera, it, it really makes me... Um, I really hope Mary Elizabeth Winstead like captures the same kind of tone because we, has so she given much, any interviews indicating that she's watched Rebels? I don't know, but so much of Hera is yeah. in her voice as we wind up as we're winding down with season three. Like Hera has been by far the strongest character of the season. Yeah, of course she's awesome, but like so much of it is her voice and just the tone yeah. of her voice. Like you can tell how much she cares just by like the inflection. Yeah. And I and I love Mary Elizabeth Winstead, so I'm hopeful that she can encapsulate the same thing. Yeah. I mean, it, she is, for all purposes at this point, Ezra's mom. Yeah. You know? Yep. And you really see that in probably the last ten episodes. I would say it really, they seem to have that bond. Um. So, we get to the next morning, and it's bright. It's another sunny day on Adelon. We're at the base, and we see Ezra. He's just... It's a busy day on the base, and he's just pushing some cargo, some materials. And there's like this uh, rebel officer there. Look at he's wearing the Cyclops hood. He's got Cyclops hood on. Um, oh, he's decked out. Yeah, he's decked out, but he's got like yellow tinted Cyclops yeah. hood. It's new. Um, it's a new variant on the Cyclops hood that we've come to know and love. Um, but Ezra gives him like the manifest of what he's carrying. It's this big, long manifest. It's the thousand four holds. It's Chris Jericho's one thousand and four holds. Um, <laughs> Arm drag. Uh, left punch. Okay. Um, and as the officer's distracted, we see Ezra just run off and he boards an A-Wing. And the officer noticed and he's like, hey, sir, Lieutenant, you're not uh, authorized well, to he, fly that right now. Ezra gives him some story about like, oh, I got to bring these over here. And he's like, well, who oh, gave yeah, that yeah. order? And he, <laughs> that is AP5. AP5. Yeah. And he was like, oh, yeah. that laser brain. Or he, he calls, calls him a calculator. Yeah. yeah he's, he's like, like that calculator's going overload or yeah. something like that. And it's like, <laughs> why does he needlessly get <laughs> kneecapped in this? <laughs> He's the fucking hero of the last episode. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Man, he had his Adiel Dazim moment. <laughs> <laughs> he flew high. Um, that yeah. calculator is running on overdrive, he said. That says. calculator literally saved the entire rebellion a week <laughs> yes. ago. But yeah, so Ezra, while he's distracted with long memories, uh, manifest, just kind of runs off and he jumps in an A-wing. The guy sees him and he's like, sir, lieutenant, you can't do that. That's uh, You're not authorized to fly that. And Ezra kind of like, well, I can't hear you. And he just takes off. I feel like there's a better way to like steal an A-wing than just like in the middle of the day. Ezra could just get up at night and leave. Yeah. But I guess he's in a hurry, but he clearly slept on it. Uh-huh. You know, because I'm guessing he went, because it was bright as, you know, he, the conversation there, it takes place when it's dark out, and then it's implied that this is the next day. So he must have slept on it, woke up, and couldn't let it I go. I feel like there's other episodes where he has done that, where he has commandeered a vehicle or, like, taken the Phantom without anybody's knowledge. Well, the thing is, like, Ezra can walk around the base he doesn't need a distraction. No! He could walk around the base, and then when he sees like that an A-Wing is unattentive, he could have just walked up to it and flew off. I'm pretty sure he could just walk into an A-Wing, and nobody would question him. Yeah. I I can't imagine. He's but the a way lieutenant! He, the way he acted. Yeah. Like, the guy he gave the manifest to, I'm pretty sure Ezra outranks him. Yes, the guy s- calls him lieutenant. Sir, he says, sir, you can't, sir, you're not authorized to take that. Ezra could just be like... This is an important mission. Yeah. Uh, Stand down. Stand down. Yeah. You know, did you order the code red? You know? You're goddamn right. I did. You ever see that movie? Which one? A Few Good Men. (laughs) I think on cable a long time ago. That's the one where Jack Nicholson orders the code red. You can't handle the truth. Yeah, you can't handle the truth. Did you order the code red? You're goddamn right. That Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise is actually a really good actor. Oh, he's a phenomenal actor. Yeah. Yeah. It's too bad he's in that crazy cult. Yeah. Oh, don't say that. They'll, they'll, <laughs> what if that's the thing yeah. that takes us down? Is that <laughs> Actually, one comment? That would make sense. Yeah. <laughs> They're gonna review bomb us. We're gonna get a bunch of one star reviews, <laughs> and all the all the usernames are gonna be like science guy, Scientology guy, nineteen forty two. L. Ron Hubbard lover or something. Like, you know, that's what all the we're just gonna get review bombed. Hopefully, we don't have any Scientologists out there in the clone. You know, that would be a fun clone cast field trip if we went downtown St. Paul to the uh, Midwest. Oh, chapter. that thing's insane. That Scientology yeah. Cathedral. Yeah, it's it's in the old science museum. Yeah. Do you think that's where they got Shelly Miscavige hidden? <laughs> we never know. There's only one way to find out. It's time to go exploring. What if we go in and just in a closet? <laughs> we open it up and Shelly's like, help me. Help me. Oh, man. Get Shelly out of there? Yeah. Oh, man. We'd be heroes. <laughs> We'd be heroes. Yeah. They'd write books about us. Um, Yeah, they took away the big iguana that was out front. Remember that thing? Well, that's in front of the Science Museum. The old Science Museum. Yeah, no, no. It they got moved re- it? It, re- it got relocated. Yeah. Oh, it's which in, entrance? It's in front of the... um the uh, Oh, is that the lower the Riverside entrance? The Riverside entrance where they drop off all the school kids. Ah. Yeah. I got to see that lizard. I miss that guy. Oh, it's great. I saw it on a tour recently. We should go to the science museum. That would be fun. It's made up entirely of railroad spikes. Oh, really? Is that what it is? Um, Do they still have that penny machine where you can flatten the pennies? I'm sure they do. We got to do that. We got to go. I want to see the triceratops. We got to see the wax. We got to get a wax injection, like those weird mold wax things. We get a little dinosaur made out of that. That sounds fun. Yeah. Yeah, I love the Triceratops. I'm a big Triceratops guy. You Triceratops guy? More of a Stegosaurus guy. Do they have a Stegosaurus? There? I don't know. I don't think they do. I think they have an Apatosaurus, which is the big long neck. Is that the, the one with the club? 
the club. No, that's an ankylosaurus. Ah, uh, that's right. Only they sold for uh, that was auctioned off for four hundred million in Jurassic World Dominion. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, Steph Curry Supermax. No, the Minnesota Science Museum. I've, I've always been, they have an allosaurus. I've been I've been always prone to the uh, giant uh, polar bear that they have. That, that thing is cool. on its hind legs. Yeah, that guy rocks. That guy's cool. Yeah, I'm a big polar bear guy. Uh-huh. They put him in a terrible spot. Oh, really? He's off on the side. He's like by some steps. We gotta go. He's by the steps that make sounds. I'll tell you what. For Clonecast field trip, we're going to go to the lamplighter, tie one on, and then we'll go to the science museum afterwards. We just we go there and we end up taking pictures with the polar bear for two hours. And then to cap the night <laughs> off, we'll go to the model train museum. Oh. <laughs> and we're going to do a bunch of cocaine. <laughs> Please welcome the wickedly talented one and only Adele Dazim. Thank you. <laughs> We got to move on. Um, yeah. So he takes off in the A-Wing. He says to himself, Hera, I hope you can forgive me. Now, it should be noted that we see Chopper spying on him as he's sneaking onto this thing. And Chopper also boards the A-Wing. And Ezra does not notice this. Ezra thinks he's alone, but Chopper is going along for it. Chopper is just like, oh, I smell hijinks. Yep. Here we go. Um, so Ezra arrives at Tatooine. He jumps out of uh, hyperspace, and he's uh, on Tatooine. He's going into orbit. And then Chopper just like, hey, jump scares the shit out of him. <laughs> um, they argue for a bit, but eventually Ezra's like, okay, fine, Chopper. You can come along. Um, and Ezra busts out the holocron. And he starts using the holocron. As he enters the atmosphere, he starts using the holocron to try to guide him to Obi-Wan. There is a wonderful shot, too. Like in an aerial view of the A-Wing kind of flying along the landscape. And there are so many shots in this episode particular that are just gorgeous. Like the opening shot of Maul in the Desert, just the slow pan of the Tatooine landscape. No, it looks sweet. It's gorgeous. Yeah. No, I love the artwork in this episode. It's like a different visual tone. Yeah, I mean, it's the same art style, but the way that it's done, the way it's directed, like Filoni directed this one, he nailed it. Yep. Especially the fight, and we'll talk about it when we get there. I mean, that's just amazing. Um, but yeah, so uh, Ezra is using the holocron to guide him to Obi Wan. It's kind of like he's focusing on it with the Force, and Chopper is piloting. Good thing Chopper came with. Oh Ezra's shit! Like, Ezra is already making use of of Chopper being there. Um, <laughs> if Chopper wasn't there, Ezra would put the holocron on the dash. Kind of keep one eye on that while yeah. he's steering and just end up rear-ending like a Y-wing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he would probably just fly into the side of like a, <laughs> yeah. a dune or something. <laughs> Plop. <laughs> Plop. Um, but yeah, so he's like, go north, northwest. Um, and he's just kind of guiding Chopper. And they do come to this clearing in some big dunes. It's just big clearing area. Uh, Chopper stays with the ship, and Ezra just kind of follows it over to the source, and he goes in this like a little crevice in the corner of this clearing, and he sees a Sith holocron, and he's like, "Oh, what the fuck?" And he hears Maul's voice, and it's at this point he's like, "Oh, it's a trap!" And as soon as he says that, the sand people attack. <laughs> um, they start. There's some sand people up on the hill. They start taking shots at the A wing, and Ezra is in the middle of a hand to hand combat. With, um, I don't know, like, scout guy, I guess? I yeah. don't know. I'm... One of the Tuscans. Yeah. I find it interesting that they're all ranged except for this one guy. Yeah. I don't know the strategy there. Well, I think they attack in, like, flanks. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know the, ba- I don't know the Tuscan battle strategy. No. I didn't pay that close attention to Book of Boba Fett. You big plug eye guy? 
Plug Eye. Oh, like that Tuscan. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Turned out to be a lady. No, yeah, that's yeah. right. Um, but yeah, so Ezra was wrestling with him. Chopper ass rockets out of the thing. Um, yeah, there is a great moment where Chopper's still in the A-wing and a Tuscan just jumps on the dash and like puts its gaffy stick through the windshield and Chopper just screams. <laughs> <laughs> Chopper's great. Um, but yeah, so he ass rocks out of the thing and um, Ezra's wrestling with this, uh, with this, um, with this, ugh, what am I saying? Why do I, I'm, I, you know what I'm saying in my head right now? Sand Trooper. Like What? <laughs> Um, and it's pretty funny because as he's wrestling with them, Chopper ass rockets out and he goes straight up to it and he maces the guy. <laughs> <laughs> he fucking maces the dude. It's very funny. <laughs> I love when Astromax get hands. I know. It's when great. They just, when they just bust out all the, you know, they, they open up the Swiss army knife and just go to town. Yeah. So he maces this guy. <laughs> And uh, helps Ezra up. They try to take uh, some cover with the A-Wing, but uh, not a good idea. It's about to blow up. Um, so it ends up taking super heavy fire. They run away from it, and it does explode. Uh, we see the sand people up on the hill celebrating, just like really excited. Um, and as they're celebrating, they turn around, and Maul is right there and just cuts them all down. Yeah, it's too bad that Book of Boba Fett like gave us backstory on the Tuscans and like yeah. made us feel empathy for them. Yeah, because they were great, just disposable now, characters. The one that Ezra was wrestling with, are we to assume he was killed in the explosion of the A Wing? <laughs> that or because I think Ezra kind of knocked him out, or he got maced yeah. right by the, or he ran off when he was maced. Yeah, I don't really know what his face. He's was. just rolling in agony. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he wakes up. What happened? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so, uh, Ezra thinks that the explosion just scared them off, but no, it was Maul. He's, he's monitoring everything that's going on here. Um, so it, I don't know. They must wait the night out or it must be really close to sunrise because suddenly it's daytime and Ezra and Chopper are wandering. Um, they're following kind of the ridge. They don't want to go straight through the desert. Um, it's kind of a bad idea. Um, but as they're wandering this ridge and they're going to try to find a settlement, Ezra hears Maul and looks up and kind of sees him off in the middle of the distance, in the middle of the desert. Um, and he sees him briefly, and then he's like, hey, Chopper, do you see that? And Chopper looks and he's like, no. What? Um, but Ezra's like, "I that was Maul. It was definitely Maul. And he follows him into the desert. Um, the holocron is glowing red at this point. Um, Chopper kind of uh, debates with himself like do i go with him or do i just stay here and follow the ridge and hopefully hit a settlement and ezra's like just go um if ezra if, explicitly yeah. tells him like i'm fine you go go to settlement find a settlement and page out to the team you know uh but chopper eventually just decides to follow ezra <laughs> chopper literally shrugs yeah he's like "Ugh." Yeah. All right. and then as he rolls behind him he starts just like ranting to himself like <laughs> yeah um, but yeah, so they're going through the middle of the desert. What literally a minute ago they were like, "That's a bad idea to go in the middle of the desert." Um, but um, go figure. They're caught in a dust storm. Yeah, and then the next scene, they're immediately in a massive sandstorm. Um, and Ezra begins hearing Maul's voice during this, and he's like, "Draw him out. Your pain, your sorrow, it calls to him." So basically, what's going on here is Maul is using him as bait for Kenobi. He's this is, you know, he's putting him on the lure, and this is his bait to get Kenobi to bite. This 
this young Force-sensitive Jedi who is now struggling and in pain. Um, the storm passes, and Ezra and Chopper are just kind of wandering aimlessly, and Ezra is running on very low energy, and so is Chopper. Um, Chopper begins to... Literally. S- literally. <laughs> Chopper slows down and just loses power. And then there's this like really heart-wrenching scene where Ezra doesn't know what to do, and he's like, no, come back, you know, like, I didn't, you know, and he just, we see him as Chopper powers down completely in the middle of the desert, and Ezra's, like, I'm pretty sure dehydrated, probably has heat stroke, you know, yeah. he's not doing well. He just, like, starts to cry, and he hugs Chopper's, like, life, <laughs> lifeless <laughs> yeah. body, you know, and it's actually really, it's really well done, and it's sad, you know. Um, it was a well-done scene. Um, so the next scene is Ezra just kind of sitting by Chopper, um, in the middle of a desert. He begins to hallucinate and hear things like, he is dead, you led him to me, and it's Maul's voice. I think it was at this point I wrote down, boy, that Maul really can play Ezra like a fiddle. Yeah. Like, really knows how to pull the strings. Yeah. Now, I'm pretty sure this is Maul speaking to him in a certain kind of, you know, a telekinetic way of some kind, you know, like, mentally through the force. I mean, I don't think Maul's like 10 feet away whispering things. No. Um, he's definitely got an eye on him from somewhere. But um, I don't know. I maybe I, I don't know how much of this is actually Maul speaking to him somehow and how much of it is him beginning to hallucinate because he's like, I should have never came here. Well, and when he's that <laughs> close to Holocron, too, that starts messing with him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you hear Maul's voice kind of taunting Ezra, and Ezra eventually just pulls out his lightsaber and just attacks air, just attacks nothing, and he just lands flat on his face and passes out. Um, and then we see the silhouette of a hooded figure standing yeah, above and Ezra. It's, you know, they're kind of they don't show the face, so they're kind of like, oh, is it Maul? But I could tell immediately because they show the boots <laughs> and the belt buckle. Yes, <laughs> yeah. so you know who this is. It is the one Please and welcome only the wickedly talented one and only Adele Dazim. <laughs> <laughs> the one and only Adele Dazim. Uh, it's going to be Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, and so our next clip, after all that talking, we're getting to another clip. This is when the episode really starts cooking with gas. Um, Ezra wakes up around a campfire and Chopper is powered up. There's a do back there, and he is joined by a new friend. Let's take a listen. That's a dude. You're in the wrong place, Ezra Bridger. Master? Master Kenobi? I am, and when you have your strength, I will help you on your way. On my way? No, I came here to find you. To warn you. About more? Yes. Uh, you know? One doesn't survive as long as I have by being foolish or unprepared. Maul is an old adversary, and a persistent one at that. We can fight him together. I had no intention of fighting him. Well, that seems inevitable now. You don't understand. You're the answer. The Holocrons told me. They said you would be the one to help us destroy the Sith. Hmm. That's the first I've heard of it. Interesting dynamic. The Rebellion uh, needs you. We need you to defeat the Empire. What you need, you already have. Unfortunately, 
You seem to be letting it all go. But if I had what I needed, why would the Holocron send me to you? They didn't. Maul did. Maul used your desire to do good to deceive you, and in doing so he has altered the course of many things. He knows your fears, your heart, and he manipulated the truth which has led you here, where you should never have been. But the Holocrons, they tell the truth. Do they? The truth is often what we make of it. You heard what you wanted to hear, believed what you wanted to believe. And now the only one who has gained anything from all of this is... Me. And there he is. Okay, um... <clears throat> so we'll get to the second half of that clip here in a minute, but I figure... It's a good place to pause this one. They missed a really great hello there opportunity. They did. <laughs> yeah, they Although did. That's a little on the nose. But. Well, I mean, it's on, you know, you might as well. Yeah, you might as well. It's fine. Um, But yeah, they did miss a good opportunity there. Um, he probably said it to Chopper, I'm guessing. As yeah. Chopper powered up, like, woo, hello It is there. funny, when when Ezra does come to, Chopper like, acts like nothing is happening. He's yeah. like, oh, hey, you're finally awake. Yeah. It's uh, he's very calm, you know. Um, I gotta say, Stephen Stanton does an amazing Al Guinness impression. It is incredible yeah. how accurate that is. Yeah, and now, this is full. This is basically full Alec Guinness Kenobi. Like he is at that age. It's, I think this is probably two years. Before I think in the behind the scenes they said that they tried to age him down visually, but Stephen Stanton just basically is doing an Alec It's Guinness not that impression. far away from him. No, Mimo. not at all. So, I mean, he's much more Alec Guinness than Ewan McGregor at this point. And apparently Stephen Stanton, like, just, like, offhandedly mentioned to Dave Filoni at some point, like, you know, I do a, a, a pretty good Alec Guinness, so if you ever need that, like, I'm I'm there for it. And when this started, they originally brought Stephen Stanton in just to, like, read the lines for Sam Witwer. And when he read them, Sam Witwer apparently, like, when they... Because I think they were still planning on, like, auditioning some other voice actors. Yeah. And then Sam Witwer, like, once they were done, went to Del Dave Filoni and was like, so that's, that's the guy, right? Like, we can't... There's yeah. no reason we need to audition anybody else. It's really good. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, he's going to be sending, uh, now that the confrontation's about to begin, Obi-Wan Obi is about to just get Ezra out of there, and, uh, yeah, I like how well-prepared he is, like, it's interesting the dynamics of Obi-Wan that we see in the Kenobi series, which is about 10 years before this, I guess, Yeah, roughly, I don't know the exact, whatever, it's, it's around that, um, it's interesting because where we where we start off there, I mean, he's really cut himself off from the force. He's a hermit. He hasn't really interacted with anybody. He's very. I mean, we know he's a hermit on Tatooine, but he is really he's really underground. Yeah, and he gains he the the great the thing I loved about Kenobi the series was just watching him regain himself. Yeah, and then the ultimate payoff in the finale, which is the rocks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> fucking incredible. One of my. I, I was so scared about that, and we had talked about it endlessly, about how we're just like, I don't know. I don't really want them to see each other, and I, I think it was perfect. Oh, it was great. It yeah. was incredible. I, I, you know, I don't really have any complaints about it. I thought it was great. Well, um, and the way, that, the way that he is in, like, I'm a little bummed out. I think that Dave Filoni has mentioned in interviews, like, he, he thought 
they brought Maul back in animation form. Like, that's how he was kind of reborn, so he thought it was only fitting that they killed him off canonically in animation form. But it is kind of an unfortunate because, like, they could have made the Kenobi series out of this story arc. They could have. They could have. I know when Kenobi got announced, a lot of people wanted that. Yeah. Um, I'm glad they didn't. I think this was perfect. Yeah. I think this is great, and I it would have it would have taken away from it for me. Yeah. Um, because this is awesome. The way that he talks to Ezra too. He mentions, he he talks, the one thing that I took note of, he talks about, like, because Ezra's so sure. He was like, well, the holocron told me this, and Obi-Wan says something, I forget exactly what it is, but it's something along the lines of, like, well, that is true from a certain perspective. Yeah. And so, like, it's almost like Obi-Wan is echoing what Anakin was, like, saying so, like, fervently before their duel, where he was like... The Jedi are evil, according to my point of view. And, like, Obi-Wan is kind of saying the same thing to Ezra there. Yeah. And he also is... I love the fact that, like, he's talking about how, like, Maul is using, like, your emotions to manipulate you. And everything that Obi-Wan is talking to Ezra about, he's, like, using your caring and your empathy against you. That's all of the shit that Obi-Wan didn't let Maul do to him, even when Maul, like, murdered Satine. Yeah. Right in front of him. Yeah. Like, that's what Obi-Wan trained himself against. And when he told Maul, like, you could kill me, but you'll never destroy me, which is, like, my favorite line from the Clone Wars, like, that is exactly what he's trying to get at with Ezra. Like, you, you, you have to be able to, like, let yourself go from some of these emotions. Yeah. I don't, like when you look at all the material outside of the movies that they've given us at this point, I don't think any character. I mean, it was already an, obviously a super strong character, but I don't think any character got built out quite as perfectly as Obi Wan Kenobi. Yeah, like he's just the stalwart force. Like, and just the way that he did, he handled the whole mall stuff the entire time. Always kept himself. Anytime he ever slipped at all, he always found himself like his. His development has been, like, such a joy to watch. Mm-hmm. It's so cool. Like, he was already my favorite, but it's so cool watching it all come together and how he got to that point and how he, you know, you see the real raw humanity of Obi-Wan Kenobi throughout all this stuff. Um, the way he fucking broke down after losing Anakin and just, like, yep. shut off from the world and shut off from the galaxy and just kept to himself, shut off from the Force. I mean, it's just, you go through the whole gauntlet of it, but Obi-Wan... At the end of the day, he he's the strongest emotional character in all of Star Wars. Yeah. By like, far. He is the... And it makes sense that he's Qui-Gon's student. He's like the perfect Jedi. He is. Yeah. He is the perfect Jedi. And if they're all like him, it might have worked out a little bit better. Yeah. Yep. Because he didn't have... There's no hubris with Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> no. He's really the most humble dude. Uh-huh. And time and time again, he proves it. The way he's like, I- I'm already prepared for this. And, <laughs> yep. But the way it's not cocky at all. It's just the confidence of somebody who knows exactly what they're doing. Yep. And he's not he's about to have a fight. This is not like he's having lightsaber fights every other day anymore. Yeah. He's about to fight a Sith. He's gone and over he's it completely calm. He's meditated. He's gone over it in his head 
I'm assuming the guy's got time. He's not doing much in yeah. his little homestead. Well, I mean, think about where he was at, though, with the the first encounter with Vader um, in the, I don't know, it was like the ore. <laughs> when he, like, holds his head down in the coals. Yeah, yeah. Really crazy scene. But Kenobi was not himself. No. He was not himself. And that's what I kind of, a lot of people didn't like that aspect of the series because every time we've seen Obi-Wan, there's always growth there and there's always, like, a steadfast. There's no... He is the perfect Jedi. He's 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 come to a point like I mean, he's human and he's he's empathetic, but he's 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 I don't want to say a robot, but he is a robot in the sense that like he's so, he's, he's achieved a level of like Jedi Zen that very few can achieve. He knows exactly who he is. Yes. And he's accepted the choices that he's made throughout his life. Yes. But then as soon as the Anakin thing happens, that whole wrench gets thrown in there. And I think a lot of people thought that we would see Obi-Wan, you know, and we'd come back to him and he'd be Obi-Wan Kenobi. And he was a broken Obi-Wan Kenobi. And I think that a lot of people did not like seeing him like that because you've never seen him quite like that. And it was just, I don't know, I think it was perfect. Like, you it shows the the tragedy of the loss that he went through. I mean, it would have been a disservice to how heartbroken he must have been to lose basically like his younger brother, his son, whatever you want to say, whatever you want to call him. Like it that's the only way you could write the character at that point. If you don't write it that way, then he's just like this heartless nothing. Yeah. You know? Like they needed to show him grieving. Yeah. Well, and it was important to show like it's Leia's spirit that kind of like coaxed obi-wan back into yeah the forefront and i do like the fact that she calls him ben Mm -hmm. you know and you have the line where luke skywalker goes when they go to rescue he's like i'm luke skywalker ben kenobi's ben kenobi you know the way she says ben kenobi i mean it's something that was made 40 years before kenobi was made but it just it ties it together so perfectly and it makes them feel so intertwined and it adds so much context to that scene and it makes rewatching a new hope like you're watching it from a new perspective like that's what i expect from this kind of yeah. stuff and that's what you get from this too like him talking to Ezra here provides a lot of perspective of where obi-wan is at and is and he's just perfectly content yep well and it like going back and watching brothers again like the very last scene in brothers is yoda meditating and kind of detecting something's wrong and then obi-wan comes into the meditation room and yoda breaks the news like darth maul's back yeah and it was like from that moment you can kind of tell like obi-wan from that moment is like preparing because he Mm -hmm. knows he has to face him yeah and he faces him like in the clone wars multiple times but like he never stops preparing yeah always concentrating on like that because he knows that guy's hunting him yeah which is interesting if maul would have shown up 10 years earlier yeah and i think maul would have had more means of finding him at that point too because that's when maul was really like a, a crime boss crime boss you know you think he would have more resources instead that's, of hunting things on his own like that's what i want to see because between the end of solo in this episode i need to know what the fuck happened to make Maul fall from like the head of a crime syndicate to like this person that's just like grasping at straws to try to like track down this person so he can have revenge. Yeah. 
I think it was the Pelps encounter. I mean, it's just... But that that happened... Pelps happened before he was the crime boss. Yeah, but then he, you know... Pelps was, Pelps was basically just pulling strings, though. Yeah, I, but, like, the whole lightsaber duel in, like, murdering Savage, that took place, and then he... Es- then Maul escapes and is able, yeah. is, is able to, like, take Mandalore again... And, like, all of that stuff happens. He becomes, like, this kingpin. And then it's kind of a question mark between that point and where we're at now. Yeah. I got... I should really read the um, the Kira series. Oh, comics. yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Because that'll add a lot of context. I was really hoping they would do a movie. Um, But, no, I mean... I Like, he escaped, yes. He did escape. Um, with the help of Gar Saxman. That's right. <laughs> the Saxman testifying. <laughs> um, but no, I wonder, it's kind of, I think of it like Gollum in Lord of the Rings. Because we hear Pelps after that duel. He says to him, like, no, you're more used to me alive. There is no mercy. Yeah. And I'm just kind of curious, like, how much was Pelps pulling the strings? Like, he had him under his thumb. He had to have had him under his thumb the whole time. Even when he's this massive big crime lord and he's running all these syndicates. Well, you that's, know, and it's just, that's the thing that I... That's what I, I want to see. I want to see it fleshed out because it has to be pulling at him where, like, he's becoming this kingpin that is, like, notorious. So the bigger he gets, the more of a name he's making for himself. Yeah. So Palpatine has got to notice it at some point. And so oh, he that absolutely, fear, that's my, that's my that whole fear theory. has got to be in Maul's head the entire time. And that's the thing. I think Palpatine is probably pulling a lot of strings and allowing him to gain some of this power. If Pelps wanted to snuff him out, he'd be snuffed out. Like, that's the shit I want. Like, yes, could do I would love series, to see could do it in a movie. Like, his rise as a crime boss. And really, what did Pelps do to, you know, did he kind of just watch from afar or did he pull strings, you know, without Maul knowing yeah. and like allowing him to gather some of this power? I mean, we saw Maul's power plays with like um, the, uh, what are their names? Well, and it, th- you could even go one further too, where it's like, these crime families are important to Palpatine. Like, they're keeping a lot of shit in order. And yeah. if, like, it, it may also behoove Palpatine to let him take this level yeah. of power to, and like, keep thing, shit in order. Did Palpatine stay in contact with him? I would be curious. You yeah. know, did Palpatine pay him visits every now and just to, you know... This would be such a good series. And if they really wanted to... Well, the thing is, they could... They could make this stuff. They could pull in. They could easily pull in uh, uh, Prince Shizor from Shadows of the Empire too, because Prince Shizor was a uh, with Faleen. Yeah, he's yeah. one of the Faleens. That's part of the. Is it the Black Sun? Is yes. That the yeah, I think the Faleens the Black Sun. Of? Yeah, like that's they, where that's where Savage throws the fucking. Um, he throws yeah, the he, double blade lightsaber, lightsaber that cuts decapitates off the everybody. Conference and they're just table. like, hey, head security guard, you're the new boss here, <laughs> and you work for me. <laughs> the most mob shit, dude. But oh, in the expanded universe, arc. like Prince Shizor is a big character, yeah. and they could easily bring him in the way that they did Thrawn if they wanted to tell Maul's story. No, there's so, much, there's so much more Maul we could get that's left kind of uncovered. Yeah. I don't know. I, I do have to read the Crimson Rain series, though. Like, I, I have some of them here. I should read them. 
because I'm curious if I get more perspective on Maul. But I think his downfall was probably just Pelps probably was like, he's not of any use to me anymore. I'm sure Pelps tortured him from afar, and that's where he started to lose his marbles again. Because I think all of that... Or it could be, like, I think it would be actually pretty cool or poetic if Pelps actually didn't do anything. And it was just Maul's own obsession with revenge. Yeah. That led him on his own without Pelps interference. Maul's own desire to get revenge on Obi-Wan that, like, collapsed him. Yeah. But the great thing about Maul is it's not even Obi-Wan that he wants revenge on. He wants to... It's it's Palpatine is his real enemy. Yeah, but he... I think he knows that Palpatine is much too big of a fish at this point. And his power is not nearly where it once was. I think he has realized, no, Obi-Wan is the thing that kept me alive when I was <laughs> a mechanical spider. Like, revenge against Obi-Wan, that's the thing yeah. that I'm going after. See, I think he's just projecting. He's projecting all of his anger and hate on Obi-Wan because it's the easy source. Right. It's the source he feels like he can. Okay. But what I, you know, I kind of feel like the projecting for him, it's, he, I don't know. I mean, it's just revenge. That's all he wants. He just wants revenge. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. And so he's looking for the target and Obi-Wan was the original target because like, yeah. he did that whole speech where he talks about to Ahsoka about Palpatine's the one that caused everything. And yeah. so that's his new target. But then once shit goes down, he's like, he just, he lives for revenge. Yeah. That's it. So he's going for the easiest target that he can that would give him the biggest pleasure of revenge. Yeah. I I just really think that all of his hatred is actually towards Palpatine, but he can't, he can't. Well, how many abused people in real life? No, that's what it is. Like, take out their frustration and their revenge on not yeah. the people that abused them, well, but the just thing, some you know, other person. Like, the whole thing is like, well, Kenobi cut him in half. And so, like, the simple thought is, okay, well, Kenobi cut him in half and he wants revenge for getting his dick chopped off. You know, hey, that sucks. And I survived. And now I got to live like this. I got to go through a tube. But really... The thing he's really... It's not Kenobi cutting him in half that drives him mad. It's the fact that he was left there. Sidious, his his mentor, never even came for him. No. Just was like, oh, he's dead. But then the other part, I do think the reason... Like, Kenobi always kind of sticks in his craw because he did have the opportunity to get revenge on him, which he himself said, that's the thing that kept him alive. All that time, <laughs> talking to that snake... In, on that on that junk pile in the spider body, the thing that kept him alive was the desire for revenge against Obi-Wan. That was it. That was what he was going for. All that Pelp stuff came in later, and I think it's subconsciously, you you are right. That is what no, it, it is. All of his hate but, towards Obi-Wan is projected hate for right. Palpatine. But that was the driving factor. I mean, it's completely subliminal. But he doesn't thing, know it. The thing that I think sticks in his craw is he had the opportunity, and he killed Satine right in front of Obi-Wan, and that was his moment for revenge, because that was the ultimate thing, yep. and it did not have the effect that he wanted it to uh, on Kenobi. Yep. And that's the thing that I think could be driving him 
fucking insane. Yeah. Is because Obi-Wan was able to completely be at peace with that event. Yeah. Like, of course, he's crushed by it, but... He is able to move on. Yeah. He's able to disassociate himself with that. And that's why they're great. That's why they're a great couple as far as a, a good guy and a villain. Because they're literally the polar opposite of each other. It's like the unstoppable force and the immovable object. Yeah. You have the one who is completely accepts everything as it comes and rationalizes everything and thinks of things level-headed. And then you have the one who just is obsessed and hell-bent on revenge when they could just go live their life if you just let it go. Yeah. And it's just the the dynamics between the two are just perfect. It's crazy to think about that Maul was a character with, like, one line and did, like, a, a lot of cool lightsaber work in The Phantom Menace. And then... He was played by a stuntman. <laughs> yeah. Did we did we ever look up the Ray Park controversy about the blowjob? <laughs> I think we did at yeah, one I think point. We did. Yeah. It's ringing a bell. But I remember didn't he post like revenge porn or something I like that? I think. Yeah. That that damn toad. <laughs> toad. <laughs> there he is, Toad in X Men. Yep. Yeah. Um it's but it, yeah, it's wild to think about the the character who really was just like the cool bad guy. Like they're trying to replicate Vader, but I mean he doesn't it's it's not you know it's not Vader you'll never you can't recreate Vader but they had to have somebody there, and I just find it funny that I think how many lines he David's like at last we'll re- reveal ourselves to the Jedi at last, at last we'll, we'll have revenge. revenge is that his only line it right? might be other than that he's silent yeah it's just and then but you look at like the the animated stuff between the Clone Wars and Rebels like we have like one of the best Star Wars characters really one of the best characters he comes up in animation and he is a talker yeah <laughs> who would have known <laughs> yeah. who would have known this guy's got all that he going is a on there Chatty Cathy yeah maybe he had some like books down in that cave <laughs> with him he's just doing a lot of studying <laughs> reading Ayn Rand <laughs> <laughs> he had books on tape on Annunciation yeah um but let's let's move on with this so um did we actually just seriously talk and analyze things i think for like 26 minutes yeah wow yeah how long has it been since we did that it's been a while well if they give us something to analyze we'll analyze it but you know there's been a lot of fluff this season i gotta say it's start it's really picking up gas at the end though (laughs) i mean between ap5 Adiel Dazim, and now this. I mean, it's a it's a home run. Um, I'm gonna play Adiel Dazim, and then um, we should probably take a break. Yeah, uh, because we are running along here. I don't want to lose this. Please style, welcome so. the wickedly talented one and only Adiel Dazim. Okay, so we took a quick break. Um, all right, so we are going to get to the dual portion, uh, the second part of that clip. Um, really well done stuff. I did fade it down and fade it back in to. You know, it's we. There's a lot of not talking going on in yeah. here, um, and I don't know. When you watch it, the way they do it is really well done. Oh, we'll get it's very into that. tense, yeah. and we'll talk about it. Um, but Kenobi and Maul are going to talk a little bit before they have their showdown. So let's take a listen to it. You must go now. I let it's him. Ezra. See let me make it right. That is not your responsibility. I will mend this old wound. I love that line. Yep, it's a great line. Ride north. That is your way out. Your way home. Yes, that was ass rocket. 
He ass rockets, but then goes right into the saddle. Now, he takes Kenobi's do-back, and I'm like, how does Obi-Wan getting out of there? Um, See you soon. Well, he's got his other steed. Is there two do-backs? No, but uh, his... Look what has become of you. Yeah. A rat in the desert. Look what I have risen above. (laughs) I have come to kill you, but... Perhaps it's worse to leave you here, festering in your squalor. If you define yourself by your power to take life, the desire to dominate, to possess, then you have nothing. God, he's good. You have. He puts out the fire with his lightsaber. It's a bunch of sand over it. I love that that sound because that's the same sound you hear in the Phantom Menace. Not simply to hide. Oh, you have a purpose here. Perhaps you are protecting something. No, protecting someone. That's what Obi Wan ignites his lightsaber. So they engage. There was a bit of a showdown standoff there for a bit. Cuts them down. Very quick, like three moves. Maul falls to the ground. His lightsaber, his dual blade was cut in half by Obi-Wan. Right down the middle, it cut his chest. Tell me, is it the chosen one? He is. He will avenge us. Obi-Wan closes Maul's eyes. He's got pretty eyes. Yeah, yeah. It's an interesting look. Okay. Um, so, a couple of things. So, when Obi-Wan ignites his lightsaber, I'm not sure if you saw the interviews where they kind of, like, go into this, but Obi-Wan ignites his lightsaber as Maul is, like, preparing for the showdown. And Obi-Wan, when he first ignites his lightsaber... He's standing for a split second in the classic Alec Guinness pose with like both hands on the saber, Mm -hmm. kind of like with it kind of in his stomach or in his crotch. And it's like kind of going out like a boner. Yeah. Like that's like the old Obi-Wan kind of like stance. But he also does the point. But then he does the defensive. He changes it and he goes back to his old Obi-Wan, like young Obi-Wan, where he does the dual point and stands with the lightsaber back. Yep. And then he goes back to old Alec Guinness, old Obi-Wan pose, where it's back kind of two hands at the center. But then right before it all goes down, he takes the lightsaber and he holds it up like a baseball bat like this, which is Qui-Gon's lightsaber stance. Okay, yeah. So Qui-Gon holds his lightsaber up kind of by his face, so it's straight up You get a very good look at it when Qui-Gon busts out his lightsaber as Maul, like in Naboo. Yes. When the when the blast doors open and Maul, Qui-Gon does that exact same stance. And so it's on purpose because if you notice, the move that Obi-Wan kills Maul with is the exact same move that Maul killed Qui-Gon with. Maul, like, takes his dual saber and, like, spins around and tries to, like, 
punch Obi-Wan with it. Yep. Because that's how he killed Qui-Gon. He hits Qui-Gon in the he face quits and then sticks him in the stomach. He quits Qui-Gon with his yeah. saber and then does a spin and sticks him. Yeah. But Obi-Wan, like, purposefully is trying to, like, get him to, like, go back to that kind of... It's like a dueling thing. Yeah. Where he's, like, purposefully trying to get him to, like... So he's showing him... Is he showing him different forms to try to throw him off? To try to throw him off, but then, like, jogging his memory of Qui-Gon and, like... Oh, this worked for me before. To muscle memory. So he's, like, going back to, like, oh, this will work. Yeah, I mean, as we know, Obi-Wan watched the whole thing happen. But instead, because he knows it's coming, Obi-Wan, like, does an underhand move and just slices up. Yeah. And, like, cuts right through the double. Yeah. The double hilt. One quick swipe. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. So the fact, like, the so many, like, the, the stance changes was so well executed it's fucking amazing that they did that. It's shit like that why we like Dave Filoni. Yes! Yes! Because he's a fan. Absolutely. And only a fan would come up with that. Yeah. And the other part, too, that I thought is unbelievable is like, so Maul says, is he the chosen one? And a lot of people are thinking, like, is he talking about Luke or is he talking about Anakin? Because Anakin was the chosen one for the longest time. And... Obi-Wan, it's, I saw an interview where they were talking about, like, Obi-Wan has given up on Anakin being the chosen one. Obi-Wan fully believes that Luke is the chosen one. Luke is the one that it's like, no, I'm not the chosen one. Anakin's the chosen one. I'm here to, like, get that back. But Obi-Wan does not believe that Anakin is the chosen one anymore. Obi-Wan believes that Luke is the chosen one. Yeah, I mean, I guess technically Anakin is the chosen one because he throws Palpatine down the fucking yes. shaft and restores balance. Correct. But, like, it, it, Luke is the key to him actually fulfilling that prophecy. But without, without Anakin redeeming himself, that would have all been for naught. Yeah. And Luke, because Luke it was willing to sacrifice himself fully, like, that is the thing that, like, triggered it. Yeah. But no. without that, without Anakin doing that, like, everything would have just gone back to the way it was with yeah. the Emperor. Um, the other part, too, is when... No, I mean, he is the chosen one, but it Luke was absolutely essential to him actually yes. fulfilling the prophecy. Yep. So, in a sense, you could say Luke is the chosen one. Really, it's like the Skywalker lineage right. that is the chosen force, you know? Right. Um, yeah. But the other, the other part, too, is when... When when Obi Wan acknowledges and says he is like the chosen one, Maul says, "Well, he will avenge us." Yeah. Then, but for a split, like as soon as he says that, it goes back to Obi Wan's face, and Obi Wan like looks disappointed. Yes. And it's because it, it, this is my personal belief. I feel like the only thing Maul understands is revenge. Like, yeah. That's the thing that has kept him alive, and so he is able to like have a moment of peace because like someone else is having revenge. Like that's what he is yeah. lived for. He doesn't know any other way, but he's able to like die. At he's able to die because, because someone, someone else... is going to take up the mantle of the revenge right. that needs to be dealt out. And which is de- like, Obi-Wan and, yeah, and it's wants a... this enemy to have peace. Yeah. And is disappointed that this is the way that it's coming to be. He pities him. Yeah. Um, 
but it's yeah, so fucking amazing. Yeah, and going into it, just the like, Obi Wan's like, I found balance. Like I found, yeah. you know, Obi Wan's like, dude, you're. He's trying to talk sense in him to the bitter end. He doesn't want to fight him. No, he doesn't want to fight him. Um, in so the the whole revenge line though, he like he will avenge us. I you know I was telling you. I think he's talking about Savage. I think he's talking about everyone. I do think he's. I, yeah, in that he moment, says, he's probably like Obi Wan has suffered because of the Emperor as well. When he met Obi Wan, Obi Wan was a Jedi Knight or a Jedi Padawan, but through their quote unquote relationship, he Obi Wan was a warrior and yeah. a general at his pinnacle when he faced Maul. So like Maul remembers that obi-wan and now looks at him as this hermit living in the desert and so somewhere in his head he has to realize like this is palpatine's doing as well yeah like this is palpatine's doing that made this once great warrior into this weird desert hermit so like he also suffered because of the actions of this yeah i mean he definitely could have and in a sense that's if if that is what he's referencing just the how Palpatine has ruined countless lives, and he's saying he will avenge us. He could meet Savage. He could mean every, he could even mean Satine, even though he's the one oh, that yeah. fucking. But yeah. it, it's all due to Palpatine's dealings. I don't know. For me, though, the way I read it was, it was his. He was saying that specifically to Savage, because I think you know he does realize in that moment that Palpatine is the real. That's really his last thought is like Palpatine's the one that really deserved to die. Yeah. Um, and that's who he's talking about revenge. Um, but I think he's talking specifically to Savage. I really feel it because I don't know. Um, the fight with Palps when Savage is killed and then he's forced to he's you know, Maul just wants to die. Maul just wants to die. And Palpatine's like, no, you're he basically begs Palpatine he to begs kill him. for death. Um. Yeah, and I just really feel like he realizes in that moment, like Palpatine has is the one that needs to die. He he, at least he kind of accepts that Obi Wan isn't the demon. You know, he's not this evil. Well, I don't ever think he thought that Obi Wan was this evil demon. He was just well, not a conduit. I'm, that's just, yeah, I just a conduit for revenge. Yeah, but it's a poor choice. It was a poor choice of words. What I mean is, he he realizes in his final moments. I mean, he's still. His whole being is revenge, but he realizes in those final moments that the one he's been ruminating on, his revenge on, is not the one that he should have been. Yeah, He realizes that, oh, now that I'm going to die, I can finally accept that Palpatine is the real evil in my life. So, at least he comes to some conclusion, you know? Yeah. Um, The other thing, too, that was, I think Sam Witwer in an interview mentioned it. The way that Obi-Wan kind of cradles yeah. Maul, too, he kind of holds him. And it's, Sam Witwer pointed out, it's the same way that Obi-Wan held Qui-Gon mm-hmm. when Qui-Gon died, and the same way that Obi-Wan held Satine when Satine was cut down. Yeah, And it's just, again, poetic that he's holding his enemy the exact same way that he was holding yeah, the love of his life and his and really mentor. when you think about it, it's really like the three eras of his adulthood. Yeah, I mean he came of age as an adult. You know, I mean, I, what was he twenty something when Qui Gon died? I think probably. So, yeah, he was a Padawan still, but 
as for Jedi purposes, he became a knight shortly after that. And like there was that that was that like that was a landmark moment in his life. Satine dying when he's at the peak of really the peak of his powers mm-hmm. and helpless. He couldn't do anything about it. He had to watch the whole thing and he never gave in to hate. Nope. But that was the next season of his life. And now here he is in the twilight of his years. But that's why I love I love him so much. Because he just he is fully aware of who he is. And he's able to have that level of empathy for somebody that has shown him nothing but hate the entire time. But he's still able to, after killing him, kind of cradle him and give him a moment of peace like that. Yeah. It's beautiful. Obi-Wan is really like a Jesus figure. (laughs) I mean, it really is. I mean, when you think about it, I mean, the the empathy and caring he shows for people that he should have none for. And how even when Maul has his, you know, he's... He's thrown his little fit. He's put out the fire with the sand. He's got his lightsaber drawn. Obi-Wan doesn't have his lightsaber. He's still just talking to him. It's not until Maul threatens Luke that Obi-Wan drops. Yeah, because he says, you know, I, I didn't intend on fighting him, Ezra. You know, and but as soon as Luke is mentioned and he sees that, you know, the wheels turn in his head like, oh, God, if Maul gets his hands on Luke, that yep. could be really bad. He goes into the defender mode. He goes into the negotiator. Um, the old general comes out to play. When I knew, so before I saw this episode, when I knew that they had a showdown, I fully expected it to be like full Maul on and Ahsoka. Like yeah. I thought, like oh fuck, that's gonna be something nuts. Yeah. And I purposefully like avoided it. And I remember like watching it and being so surprised. That it was yeah. so, like, artfully done. Yeah, and, you know, I love the Maul and Ahsoka fight. Um, it was perfect for that episode and that arc and everything but that was going this on. Is this is perfect. perfect for what it is. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's a very short fight. But, yeah, I mean, it's 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 a perfect fight. I'm not going to... I would say it's right up there with my favorite lightsaber yep. fights. It's that well done. Yeah. And the scene... The when they're just kind of staring each other down, when it's, it's the clear that up. they're going to fight, the lead up to it, there's just, you know, it's like that showdown at the OK Corral. It's like a gunfight, you know. It's like just two fucking people staring each other down. They're about to go at it, and there's just like that calm before yep. the storm. It's so well done. It's, God, it's Ahsoka, fucking perfect. The Ahsoka series is going to kick so much ass. Yeah, I cannot wait. We're Filoni fanboys, and we don't apologize for it. <laughs> so, um. After that, we see Ezra returning to Adalon with Maul's gauntlet. He's got his Mandalorian gauntlet. So, so he lost an A-Wing. He comes back with a much better ship, by yeah. the way. Like, this thing's a bad... Gauntlets, they're actually, like, through the through this, when you take a look at the shot when they come out the cargo bay, um, and also just other stuff we've seen in it, and especially recently in uh, The Mandalorian, gauntlets are big fucking ships. Yeah. They're, like... It's like a, you know, it, it's like the size of, I don't know, like a Corellian freighter. They at least. do they do have variants. So they have like, I forget the name of them, but there's a specific like gauntlet fighter that is like just a cockpit that you sit in. Okay. That's smaller. But then there are these bigger ones that have the wings. Yeah, we've like, seen them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, this is one of the big boys. This is like the one kind of like Bo-Katan has. It did kind of bump me for a second because when I saw the gauntlet, at first I was like, 
oh shit, did Ezra have to call Sabine to like come and pick him up from Tatooine? Yeah. Like I thought this was like I completely forgot for a second that Maul like ruled Mandalore and has a gauntlet. So I thought like Ezra like phoned in Sabine to come and pick him up and yeah. drop him off back on Adelon. It's wild to think about season three here where we're just we've had we had so much mundane stuff early on <laughs> and then I know. In the last, I don't know, five episodes between Sabine and the Darksaber and all this, it all happens at the end of the season. The, this could have been a four-episode arc. Absolutely. Yeah, and I was reading on the Wikipedia, like, this was actually originally a 35-minute episode. And yeah. actually cut about And from what some of the interviews said, I think it was Sam Whitward said, is like, he saw the previous, and it actually, cutting it down was actually added to it. There was a lot of flashbacks they were going to do with, like, yep. They were going to have Satine. They were going to have uh, Savage. They are going to do all this stuff. But they ended up cutting it down. And this is one of the, the episode is really simple on its face. Yep. When you watch it, it it goes by really quick. It is one of those episodes that when the credits rolled, I thought, like, this felt like it was 10 minutes long. It feels very short. Um, And I think that's the mark of a good episode because you're not really... You know, you're 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 just enthralled by it. Yeah. You're just into it. Um, but yeah, so Ezra returns to Adelon and um, it's going to bring us to the end of the episode. We're going to hear Ezra reuniting with his family uh, on Adelon. Um, and I do love the line Obi-Wan, the last line Obi-Wan said, was like, go north. That's your way home. Yeah. You know, um, and then also I it's there's no dialogue, but Obi-Wan checks in on Luke. You do hear on Baru, but um. I left it in there because we get the fourth theme. And so uh, this is binary sunset. Oh, it's beautiful. So this is going to be the last clip of the episode. Tell me this means what I want it to mean. The gauntlet. We won't be seeing Maul again. Well, the general. I'm sorry I ran off like that. I was wrong. This is where I'm supposed to be. You're my family. And we should go home. The fields of wheat await. <laughs> Can't wait. Aqualush Bull. So he's riding the dewback. He got his dewback back. He, he That was such a quick fight, he probably caught up to Ezra. He's like, hey, can I get a ride? I'll bring you. So you see Luke running in the distance. Ezra was 30 paces away. Yeah. <laughs> Ezra's like, Do you think he buried Maul? <laughs> him in a sarlacc i don't know so obi-wan's just watching luke from a distance on his dewback he does the chin touch there it is okay that brings us to the end of the episode um yeah oh me oh my yeah, so a really good one. Um, I don't know. I think we've kind of fleshed it out as much as we can. I don't know. Is there any final thoughts before we get to the ratings? No, I think it was. I think we've talked at length about it. Yeah, it's a great episode. Um, do we think Ezra tells Kanan like, yeah, Obi Wan's actually alive. He's just hanging out there. Like, I feel I like there hope. would be, but I feel like there would be an expectation. You know, because Hera has that line where she's like, well, if he's still alive, why wouldn't he be here fighting with us? You know, and that does make sense. And it's not like he can just tell Ezra, like, you know, when 
Yeah, Ezra literally was like 20 feet away, by the way, probably. You know, like, <laughs> I don't think Dubak's pick up speed that well, you know? He probably crossed the, the Lars homestead yeah. as he was going north. Yeah. So, yeah, but um, I don't know. I don't remember what I was going to say. I'm, now I'm just thinking about how Ezra was literally like 50 yards away when Obi-Wan cut him down. <laughs> Ezra's like, what? I heard that. That was quick. What was all those lights? Yeah. I wonder if he buried him, though. He had to have. He must have. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I do think he probably caught up with Ezra, though, and he was just like, yeah, it was quick. <laughs> I'm the general. What can I say? You see me take down Grievous? I do it all. <laughs> I'm Obi-Wan fucking Kenobi. The king. I love Obi-Wan. Okay. Uh, what does IMDb give this one? Twin Sons. IMDb is giving Twin Sons a 9.3. Sounds about right. Um... I don't know if I've ever given out a perfect 10. I probably have. I probably have gotten excited. I think you have before. Shadow Warrior. Um, it's really well done. I'll give it a 10. I can't think of anything wrong with this episode. No. I'm, I'm giving it a 10 as well. No. And, it's perfect. And, you know, like, even the parts where I, I almost expect an episode to kind of slow down, and you're like, all right, let's get to the stuff. Let's get to the good stuff. It never slows down. No, even like, the I stuff kinda, with like, the sand people. Exactly. I thought, this, you know, watching it, when the sand person first, when Ezra goes, it's a trap, and a sand person pops up, I'm like, okay, here's where I get a little bored, you know, like, until we get back, because this is going to be, like, your just kind of side thing here, you know, and I'm like, we don't need this. Nah, they hit it and they they finish it up and it serves its purpose. Yeah, it you never feel even a moment of boredom in this episode. It's it's the best episode of Rebels so far. Yeah, there is no fat <clears throat> on this bone at all. Yeah, like if I really wanted to get uh like annoying nitpicky, I'm sure I could go back and watch Twilight of the Apprentice and pick a couple. Of the, yeah, yeah, the helicopters. <laughs> um. <laughs> And as much as I love those episodes, I could probably find something to complain about. There, I don't have anything really to complain about the here. The only thing I can think of. The pajamas. No. I, I enjoy the pajamas. They're comfy. Know. Why isn't he sleeping with socks on? The, the weird corduroy <laughs> feet threw me off. The, the only thing I can come up with, and it's not even that big of a deal, but I feel like they've beat this whole, like, you guys are my family. They have beat that into the fucking ground. Yeah. Like, we have had multiple episodes where Ezra has come to the realization, oh, no, the Phoenix crew is his family. Yeah. And Sabine has realized, oh, no, the Phoenix crew is her family. Yeah. And Zeb has realized, oh, no, in reality, the Phoenix crew is my family. Well, he does have family on that planet. They don't let us. <laughs> right. Um, no. Yeah, no, and honestly, like, they addressed it earlier in the episode. You didn't need to hear Ezra say... Now, this is where it's like, it's a kid's show. Yes. So, you kind of have, like, your end of show, like, you're going to reiterate it for the kids. Yeah. But Hera has the line that I thought was... It, you get so... There's so much packed into this episode. Like, the Hera stuff, when she pulls Ezra to the side, it's incredible. It's a really well-done scene, and it, it really takes a backseat to everything that happens after. But she says the line of... You know, you can do it for you do it for us, you know, for us. And like that 
that's way more powerful than being like, you're my family. You yeah. know, like this corny, you're my family line. No, the way she says it's just like, for us. That's that's family. Like, Here's already acknowledging, like, without it being overtly said. Like, yeah. No, we're no. your family. Like, exactly. And, and the you. way it was the way it was worded in that moment was way more powerful than Ezra being like, I realize that you're my family. It's like, dude, you already knew that, for yeah, yeah. one. And two, it's it just... Saying it that way feels less genuine than the way Harris said it. Like, just, you know, you don't have to be on, you don't have to be right on, you don't have to hit it directly on the nose. Um, but I, I don't actually really have any problems with scene. That would just be me if I tried yeah, to me too. not give it a per. Yeah. Right. And that's what you were doing. So, but no, it's a 10 for me. Yep. Absolutely. 10 for you? Perfect 10. Okay. Best episode of Rebels so far, yep. for sure. Always look on the light side of life. Yeah, da. Da, 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 da. Please welcome the wickedly talented one and only Adele Dazi. <laughs> <laughs> You're the one that I want. Okay, light side moment of the episode. Um, I'm going to say the just the stare down right before they fight. Um, Pre-duel. Pre-duel is great. From the moment Maul hits the sand with his lightsaber and puts out the bonfire... This shit's just real, man. Yeah. It's really good. It's perfect. The whole scene was perfectly done. Floney fucking knocked it out of the Obi -Wan park. Obi-Wan moves so slowly, it's almost as if he's floating around yeah, the embers. Yeah, that's my light side. What's yours? I'm going to go with resolution. Resolution? I think Maul had the greatest death <laughs> in cap to his story. Yeah, that I can think of. It yeah. was just it. The resolution to that character was so perfectly executed. Uh, the thing I like about his death is he his death is as complicated as his life was. Yeah. You could go so many ways with what did he mean by we will be avenged? What was what was he thinking? Did he realize Obi-Wan wasn't the enemy? Did he still think Obi-Wan? There's who so many. Who was he referencing when he yeah. said chosen? And one. like any good piece of like, you know, literature or film or anything, it it's open to your interpretation. Yeah. You could go a million places with where Maul's head was at as he took his final breath. It's a really well done episode. It's extremely well done. It's very Adil Dazim. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All righty then. If you only knew the power of the dark side. Dark side moment of the episode. Um, I'm going to go with the downfall of brave melee Tusken Raider. Um, <laughs> I am led to believe that Ezra, you know, he was attacking Ezra and they're wrestling around before Chopper maced him. Now, he could have ran off into the sand dunes, came to and realized all of his friends had been cut in half. Um, or maybe he kind of just fell next to the A-Wing and got torched. I would love it if he was indeed just stunned. And then as soon as the suns rise, he's like, oh, Jesus. Okay, jeez. Uh, all right, guys. That was a rough one. And then he climbs up the ridge and you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> what the fuck? Just screaming. <laughs> <laughs> oh man that could be a good palate cleanser episode you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah let's have a jokester um but yeah i'm gonna go with the unknown fate of brave tuscan melee warrior uh <laughs> brave melee tuscan so i think he's dead i think i think chopper mazed him i think he fell down near the a-wing and i think he got exploded <laughs> that's my guess chopper has death juice yeah <laughs> he just missed if chopper fucks face. with him it's probably yeah but i don't know 
The unknown. It's a. It's a. It's an unsolved mystery. So that's my dark side. What's yours? Uh I just went with Maul's life. Yeah, it, it was just like <laughs> from from the first moment, he's just thrown to Palpatine. Yeah. It's just a fucking nightmare from beginning to end. Yeah, it is. That poor bastard. It's a great character, though. Oh, phenomenal character. What a great character. Okay. I'm glad we saw Rex, too. This episode had it yeah. all. They gave us Rex. I really wish Rex could have ran into Obi-Wan. <laughs> yeah. That would have been feel good. Uh, that would have got it up. You got to get it up. Gee! But, uh, twin sons. As we get one son, two sons, you look the same as a twin. Mandy. Gina Carano, come on to podcast. I'll be next program. Be canceled. Ball Brian, Gina Grand mandate must get it on. Oh, Ball Brian, Gina Grand, you're fired. Gina Carano, come on the podcast. I'll be next program. Be canceled. Okay, dark horse hero of the episode. <laughs> have, um, you seen, have you seen the Corolla oh subreddit? No. What now? Uh, apparently, uh, did he marry somebody? His house is on the market oh. in L.A. Okay. Uh, Somebody got a hold of the Zillow. It sounds like he's selling the studio from Instagram posts. It looks like they're stripping it. His studio slash giant garage where yeah. he keeps all of his stupid fucking cars. Yeah. Okay. I think uh, his <coughs> wife took him to the cleaner in the divorce, so he's trying to liquidate as much as possible. How much is the house going for? I don't know. But did they have a link to the Zillow? They did. I just can't remember the, oh, okay. the number. Um, but it like he's talked about hating L.A. for the longest time, so... Do you want to place a wager? Is he going to Austin or Nashville? Because it's one of those two places, or Florida, like a lot of divorced dads. Why go. would he go to Austin? That's the, that's like the liberal mecca of Texas. That's where like Rogan and a ton of other like, I know it's just like weird well, right wing comedians went. Oh, so you want to live in the liberal city, but you want to live in Texas, like. And I mean, Austin is liberal, but it is still Texas. It is. I know. I mean, the the state laws are still going to apply, but it's just fraudulent. Yeah. Go to fucking, I don't know, go to Plato. <laughs> Mississippi? Go to Plato. <laughs> no, go to Plato, Texas. It's a suburb of Dallas. Fucking go there. I guess, I don't know. Is Plato, depressed Kenobi left. Is Plato what, like the rich suburb? What's like the rich Dallas You're suburb? Plato? Yeah, or, like Plato. Or Plano. No, Plato. Isn't it Plano? Plano's the game in... Uh, I think it's Plano, Texas. No, that's Plano Chips. Oh, I think it's okay. Plato, Texas. Are we going to... We're going to find out. What's the, let's settle the Plato Plano debate. Plato, Texas. Let's see. I think it's Socrates, Texas. Right. Never mind. It's Plano, Texas. <laughs> <laughs> I want to move to Socrates, Texas. <laughs> Is it Socrates or Socrates? I don't know. You ever seen Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure? Yeah, of course. So crates. So crates. <laughs> you know, you said Tom Hanks is a dick. We're not going to get into that. There, but there's rumors that Tom Hanks is a dick. Is there? Is Keanu Reeves as nice as we think he is? That I'm unsure of. I hope so. I hope so, too. But if not, I need to figure out what the fuck PR agency both of them are using. Because... Should we talk uh, Plano, Texas historical population? Sure. What is okay. it? Okay. So big boom from 1870 to 1880, a 258% increase from 155 to 556 in the official census. But in recent years, this place, I mean, in 1970, there was 17,000 up from 3,600. Oh, boy. In 1960, they're all the way up to 285,000 people in Plano, Texas. I don't know if it's a rich suburb or what, but... Um, Depressed Kenobi. Yeah. Okay, Depressed Kenobi. Here's a request. 
Give us the Plano information. We need the Plano we need lowdown. information on Plano, but while you're at it, this could be a voice memo or an email. We know you're busy, but uh, expand also on what you had mentioned in our 200th episode dedication, where you had mentioned watching brothers and how you feel like there's a parallel between brothers and twin sons yeah like oh i, we, I would love it if you could elaborate further because i watched brothers and i picked up on like a couple of things but i think you are much more insightful than yeah. i am yeah um so formal request to one of our oldest clone cast to press kenobi have you ever dropped uh, no wait 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 have you ever shopped for Drano while living in Plano? Down by the bay, down by the bay. Where, where so crates goes. Go. Okay. Um, dark, ho- dark Horse. Yeah, Dark Horse Hero, Hero of the, of the episode. episode. I'm going to go with Cyclops Manifest guy. <laughs> <laughs> that guy, he was really happy to read that, that guy long was on manifest. my list for yeah. a while. He's very, he's very excited about his job. He's doing his job. Yeah, he doesn't. And it's really not his job to stop a commanding officer from commandeering an A-wing. Yeah. But he tries his damnedest. So I'm going with Cyclops Yellow Tint uh, A-wing Manifest guy. Cyclops Deck Worker. Yeah, Cyclops Manifest A-wing Deck Worker guy. Yeah. However you want to word it, you can do that. Uh, Who's yours? Uh, I'm just going to give it to him because it's, well, we're going to hear from him again, but Sam Whitwer. Okay, for yeah. doing a phenomenal job voicing Maul. Yeah, he's he's really hit it out of the park. Every single time he's been on screen with Maul, it's always well done. And just for that scream of Kenobi <laughs> yeah. in the beginning of the episode. Kenobi! Sorry. I'm sorry I made that. Um, okay, so those are your Dark Horse Hero of the episode. Now this I'm excited about. I've actually already tallied it up because I'm that confident on our top two, so... The Clone Cast presents Power Rankings. Power Rankings. Hey Tom, Steve from Cedar Cliff. I hear it's your birthday. Cool. <laughs> I got a giant batch of Silver Age coming in tomorrow. See you later. <laughs> He's so awesome. Cool. Cool. I wonder if he's seen Twin Sons. He's had to. Yeah, he must have. Yeah. Um, okay, power rankings. So this is what we do. Uh, back in the Cloners, we do this thing called All-Star of the Week. We wanted to change it up when we got to Rebels. Plus, we didn't have R2 showing up every week, and R2 would just naturally get it all the time because he is dynamic. Um, so what we do now is we pick our three favorite characters, or maybe it's just like an inanimate object. Um but then uh, we assign them. Uh, so first place is going to get three points. Second place is getting uh, two. And third place is getting one. And then we keep track of them. And we're going to add them up. And when it's all said and done, we'll have a full ranking reveal. Um, some interesting ones have made their way onto the list. Uh, heat has two points. So we, we're big into Heat here at the Clone Cast. Um, Holes has a point. Uh, just very strange things all over. Uh, Saw's helmet, guys. Um <laughs> <laughs> Saws helmet guys uh, Ghost with hoots um, <laughs> Zeb's feet <laughs> Brave Force sensitive bow staff um, I really like how Ketsu A character has actually saved lives And really dominated some scenes And you know did some good work with the rebellion And uh, they have one Ketsu has one point And um, 
Uh, Ghost with Hoots has two. (laughs) (laughs) Um, How many does Space Waffle have? Probably three, I'm guessing. (laughs) I'm trying to find space with one. It's got the one point. That's that's a shame. That's a shame. Uh, but anyways, right now, Harris in first. Ezra's in second. Harris up by 12 points. Uh, Conch, Gal, and Aqualish. But we're going back to Lethal. They're going home. Are we going to see the sands of Lethal? Are we going to see the brains spilling out? <laughs> I don't think we'll see him, but God, we're going to stare for something that could be any kind of thing that we could play up. So uh, excited for that. Um, and then Chopper, Sabine, Kanan, the usual suspects. So... Um, Adam, who is your number one power rank for the episode? Who's your all-star? No question. It's Obi-Wan Kenobi. Same as well. I've already added up. Obi-Wan Kenobi retires from Rebels with six points. Six points. Six. six well, I don't know. Points. Maybe he'll show up in a hollow or something again. Yeah. So, you know, he might get some more points. Um, actually, was Obi-Wan... I mean, he was in an early episode. I want to make sure I they didn't... They played the hollow of him. They played the hollow before. I don't think I have it on here, though. So, Obi-Wan, I already wrote him down for six points because I knew we would both go with him. Number yeah. one. Number two, Darth Maul? Darth Maul? No, actually. What? Okay, who do you got? But, very close. Number two in my power ranking is Obi-Wan's Brave Dewback. The Brave Dewback. Do- Brave Dewback Steed. So, you stole my number three. <laughs> okay. Hold on. I got to get the music started again. I'll talk about it, though. I, I want to talk about it. We, we didn't really get into him that much, and I would like to... You know, there's such a... There's so much story to this episode that um, we didn't really talk about the Dewback. No. And the Dewback looks very interesting. He does have a presence, though, about him. He does. And he looks really weird. It's Rebels, so the animation is different, and it was kind of jarring to me. In the Kenobi novels, so I know he has a, the EOP that's in the series. What's the EOP name again? Rue. Rue, yes, of course. Yeah. Um, does it make any kind of reference to him owning a dewback or riding a dewback? No, not that I know of. Okay. I've never had it. Um, all right, so... Um... Yeah. So, uh, what did you call it? <laughs> Obi Wan's brave dewback steed. <laughs> Obi Wan's brave dewback steed is getting uh, two points from Adam. Um, okay. Uh, alrighty. My number two is going to be Maul. Maul. Maul was great. Um, so uh, Maul. I'm assuming Maul's your three. Yeah. Okay. All right. So well, Maul. Uh, he's tied with Chopper. You're giving Chopper the points. Yeah. He did his business. All right. Well, no, I mean, if, are you giving it to Mauler Chopper for your number Do I got to pick? You got to pick. Fuck. Come on. Chopper's going to... I'll go with Maul. You got to get yeah. it to Maul. Maul. So I think Maul's probably going to retire with eight points total. Okay. From the power rankings. So not bad run. No. For Maul. He's beat a very, space uh, waffle. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So your number three is Maul. Yes. Okay. Uh, my number three was Duberg. Um, now, Duberg, I, I, the first time I glanced at the Dewback, I was like, that's a Blurg. <laughs> he, now, it's clearly a Dewback, but if you just glance at it, like, I don't know, for some reason, a Blurg triggered in my mind, so I called him Duberg, and I'm giving it to Duberg. Duberg okay. is getting a point for me. All right. He's a very interesting looking guy. So, yeah, that's your power That's your ranking. power rankings. I beg your pardon, but what do you mean, naked? My parts are showing. My goodness. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> 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 
Let's go to St. Barnabas. St. Barnabas. Oh, shooter Barnabas. St. Barnabas. All right. Good hood. We're on Tatooine. We're on the base at Adelon. It's a very sunny day on the base. It's summertime. Um, Who was looking hot? Who's the fashion icon? Adam, do you got a good hood? Uh, well, it's the natural choice, but I went with Ezra's pajamas. Ezra's pajamas. Ezra's and PJs. Okay, that's fair. I didn't. I didn't care for the pajamas. I was. They a looked fan. comfy. They did look comfy, but I don't know. Like pajamas and sleeping on the starship, they just don't vibe. It's not like Dooku's regal large bedroom with the sure. high ceilings. I just love pajamas, like in old sitcoms, where it looks like you're fully dressed, yeah. but you're in pajamas. <laughs> I would like to walk in on Kanan and Hera's room and just see them in separate beds in full pajamas. <laughs> yeah. You know? Like the Dick Van Dyke show. Yes. Yeah. yeah that seems to be the kind of marriage they may have. They hold hands from across <laughs> the two beds. Hey. Good night, gal. You know? Um, okay. That's a good, good hood. Um, I don't know, man. There's lots of options out there. Um... Mm, Man, I don't know. Um, I should have thought this one through. I was fucking nutty and like paying attention to you this. Know with balls, bloodshot eyes at the end. Oh, I know what I liked. I liked his gloves. Oh, yeah, that's right. In the opening scene, they zoom in on his gloves, and on the back of the gloves, he's just got like this weird opening. Like he's got like a Velcro that puts him together, but then he's just got this like opening. He's wearing motorcycle gloves. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, I'm going with Maul's gloves. Also, he's got, like, a hoodie on, but it's not. It's, yeah, like, yeah. A, it's like a cutoff hoodie. It's very... Maul, you know, he, he goes down looking sharp. He's put together. He's still got his little cane thing that turns into the lightsaber. Yeah, I'm going with Darth Maul. Okay. I'm going to go with Maul's just whole thing. Everything he's got going on there. Really good. Um. All right, so that is your good hood. <laughs> Yada da 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 Please welcome the wickedly talented one and only Adele Dazi. So good. Alrighty then. No, missed. Alright. So, uh, back in the old Clone Wars days, uh, I'd predict the next episode based off the tagline. We don't have that luxury anymore, therefore I predict the next episode based off of the episode title. So, Adam, what has the daunting task of following up Twin Sons? Uh, that, that episode's title is Zero Hour Part 1. Zero Hour, 9 a.m.? Okay. Um, We're splitting this up into two parts. We're going back to Lethal. It's going to be a real melee on Lethal. Showdown. Showdown on Lethal. Um, so that's my prediction. All right. I mean, they said as much. as yeah, yeah, said yeah. he wants to go home, and I'm pretty sure that means Lethal. So my prediction, we have a, um, we're going to have an Aqualish sighting somewhere in Lethal <laughs> City, and we are going to headcanon the shit out of that. You that's think we're going to see old Joe? Uh, I think old Joe will probably make an appearance. Um, but yeah, I, I, I predict that we're going to try. Oh, you know what else we might see? We might see the, uh, reuse of Conch Gal's character model. That's right. Uh, as we know on Lothal, we've seen Conch Gal, spray tan Conch Gal, yep. who I believe has a few points on the power ranking. Maybe she returns. 
Maybe I'll have to maybe I'll have to induct her into the polycule. Keep those eyes peeled. We're gonna have to separate her from Maketh Tua. You know? Um, so that's exciting. Uh, that's my prediction. Yeah. yeah. Da, da. yeah da, da, da. She was a way better fucking uh, representative than that damn Arinda Price. Okay. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that is, uh, what is it called again? Zero Hour Part One. Zero Hour, 9 a.m., Rocket Man, Part One. All right, and we're not going to record for about a week and a half, two weeks. Yeah, it's going to be a little while. Yeah, so, uh, all right. So, Clone Castanovas, um, I'll be checking the Twitter for messages if you want to join the Discord and stuff. Um, but yeah, all right. Adam, where can listeners reach us? Send us an email. We are clonecastpod at gmail.com. You can reach out to us on social media everywhere at clonecastpod. Depressed Kenobi, I'm talking to you. We'd love to hear your theory on that Brothers episode. Um, Poor Morley. Poor Morley. Just thrown on the fire pit. Never even got to see St. Barnabas. Thank you for all the support. Thank you for listening, everybody that does. Thanks for writing in. We love all of our clonecastanovas so much. We'll see you next time for Zero Hour Part 1. Until then, may the Arnell Pinda be with you. We're going Pinda? Pinda? Panita? Panita. Have you ever seen Journey with Arnell Perny? We'll call him Arnell Perny. I'm a fucking idiot. We're calling him Arnell. Panita. Panita? Yeah. Have you ever ate Panera with... No. Have you ever ate a... Oh, have you ever hit a piñata with pardon, I don't pinita, 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 Arnell, Arnell. Have you ever seen Arnell casting a witch's spell down by the bay? Down by the bay, down by the bay. Back to my home, I dare not go, for if I do. My mother will say Have you ever seen a dewback that looks like a blurg down by the bay that didn't even rhyme Down by the bay down by the bay where the watermelons grow back to my home I dare not go for if I do my mother will say